Cactus Jack Burger. Oh hey, didn't see you there. Welcome back to Filmatic. <laughs> Today we're doing the rain <laughs> rinse. <laughs> I, 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 today we're doing the Raimi episode, and uh, I've, got a, I've got an all-star cast with me, right? So I got Ben Casey. Hey, what's up? It's good to be back, you know, fucking four months in the waiting. Um, that's the phrase. Um, yeah, I've been waiting on this one. I know y'all have been, too. I'm excited. Let's talk about some spider How many times can one watch Far From Home in four months? How many times were you able to oh, fit that in um, like, I'm going to go with uh, 21? 21. Okay. 21, um, you know, the vine, the vine, the vine, you know, Nabil. No, I The vine where he Octavia says 21. Monty joins us for the first time. How's it going, Octavia? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. You know, this, um, not to sound biased, but this is literally one of my favorite movies of all time, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man, you know? I've watched mm-hmm. them probably, like, each probably at least 20, 30 times since they came nice. out. So yeah. yeah, you're among you're among peers of the same caliber. I can tell you. Uh, Hell speaking yeah. of, we have Darian Nigro returning. What's up? What's up, guys? Um, I've been waiting for this a while. Uh, not even jokingly or exaggerating. Uh, I've just been watching Spider-Man clips for the past week, completely unrelated to the podcast exclusively the sam raimi trilogy so um, gonna cry i think <laughs> i think this is the only thing i can do right now yeah i, I feel you there <laughs> and of course we have the we have manny ray what else is there to say i didn't believe the stars would align tonight but we got one two three four five of them and i'm happy to be here yes we're here to to wrap up you know to, well to usher in a new era you know really you know we've said it so many times but I really think this is the big deal, and it starts here. You know, we're moving filmatic forward. We're coming back at you with content, uh, familiar, and so, and it all it all comes down to to Rainiest, which we've been trying to do, as eloquently mentioned by Ben Key over four months, and uh, I'm glad that it's finally going to happen. So, with that said, you guys just want to jump into it? Should we just jump into it? Yeah. Woo! We yeah. lead the way, Nabila. Ah, I will lead Yay. the way. Okay. So, for, for for every almost every episode of this podcast, it feels like we talk about Spider-Man in one way or another, right? You know, we talk about, we just have a general discussion, and then someone says something about Marvel, and then someone says, oh, Sam Raimi, Spider-Man, perfect trilogy. And then Ben Casey goes, actually, I like Tom Holland. And then we... No, listen, you know, I'm going to stop you right there, Nabil. I have never said that I like the Tom Holland trilogy more. I have simply said that I enjoy it. For its differences and its flaws, um, the Sam Raimi trilogy is better. You also like the Lizzie McGuire movie. and I do. The Lizzie McGuire movie is a fucking great film. They go to France, right? Right. Or some shit like that. Um, I actually love that movie. I'm glad you... Um, Yes, it is. I can tell Ben doesn't really like Tom Holland movies that much because it's not a trilogy. It's only two movies. Hit him with a burn, Octavia. Yeah. Well, right. Well, that what said. To... <laughs> what do you have to say for yourself, Ben? Fuck you. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, you've heard it before. We're here to tell you again. We're here to drill it in. Let's start with Spider-Man 1. Okay. 2002. I'm going to set the scene here. 2002. And correct me if I'm wrong. I, I know Manny knows about this as well. The kind of filmography kind of history. But... 
in 2002, there weren't many superhero movies around. You know, you had the X-Men. You know, you can't say that Spider-Man was the first. X-Men was, if I'm correct. And if I may even correct you another level, mm-hmm. Blade was the first. Per- okay, Blade was I, the I first sure blockbuster that. that spawned. Damn. Sorry, I just right. I had to interject. I wasn't sure. It's really close, though. It's like a year, right? It's always, you know, they ignore the black man. I don't get it. They went all Black Panther this, Black Careful, Panther that. Carefully. Sorry. Okay. No, <laughs> no wasn't it? Wasn't Superman first? I That's Superman. going even farther back. You're talking like 70s. I was talking about the modern day superhero but, movie, but yes, Octavia. I, I right. What about Batman? Cut that, cut that, cut that. <laughs> what about uh, Batman from the 90s? I feel like that I might mean, have the way for the, the more. You know, I think that's kind of a bridge between things leading into the, you know, you had you a lot of stuff in like the 60s, kind of 50s, 60s, right? That's like, mm-hmm. well, I guess it started out, I think it started out with like TV series, right? You had the Spider-Man TV series from the 70s. You had the Batman TV series, right? Hulk. The iconic 60s. Hulk TV I series. guess it started with, I guess it started with uh, the Lou Ferrigno Hulk in like the 80s where he just can't speak English. You know that one? No, right. actually, that's so bad. So, you know, it started with these. Then, yeah, you're correct. Superman, Christopher Reeve. Then you had Batman 89, which, as Darian said, was this huge kind of milestone. It didn't, I wouldn't say it ushered in the modern superhero movie, obviously, because it's from 1989. But it, it took, it gave superhero movies a platform to stand on and say that, you know, we're more than camp. We're more than serialization. We're, we're we can be taken seriously as film, right? And with Burden's, you know, gothic 1989 blockbuster that set so many records in the box office but also culturally kind of set that and then you have the modern day which you have the blade we love blade x-men right and those two movies while great and iconic for their own reasons they weren't the biggest splash in the public eye and in the cultural uh public awareness right although they are milestones can i set a picture yes please please do when you go into a little boy's room don't take that weirdly. When you go in a little boy's room, what do you see on the walls? Do you see Blade? Do you see Professor X? No. No. Nope. Spider-Man. See Spider-Man. Or exactly. Batman. Which, or Batman, okay. But you're talking about this point right now. The one character that's always prevailed in terms of popularity, Halloween costumes, decorated on, you know, fat heads on the wall. It's always been Spider-Man. And it still is now. Correct. Yeah. And what uh, Sam Raimi... And oh, I just bit my tongue. Sam Raimi and Tobey Maguire were able to do in 2002 was not only perfect the modern superhero genre that was introduced by Blade and X-Men and, you know, first built upon by Tim Burton's Batman. They were able to do justice to the comic book character fully. You know, this icon that, as Manny said, was already so popular without a movie, you know, with just the comics and the TV series is here and there and so on and so forth. And, you know, word of mouth. And... It really is just a classic movie. It combines heart, classic camp, and Sam Raimi's, you know, he's got a kind of famous now perfect blend of cheesiness and character drama, right? And I really think that when you talk about a superhero movie today in the world of MCU, which I'm sure we'll get to, it's it's kind of underrated, the first one, I would say. And uh, what do you guys think? Well, personally, I think what Sam Raimi was able to do, what previous movies didn't do was kind of shift the whole superhero comic book scene out of the like quote-unquote like nerd kind of stuff and just make it mainstream and make it seem cool because if you watch the trailers for the old movies you know like they were kind of like frowned upon by like jocks and stuff like that but like the 
early 2000s Spider-Man, like Sam Raimi, he was able to like make the trailers like actually just seem cool and enticing to just normal people. And the way that he portrayed the story from start to finish was just completely understandable where if someone had no previous exposure to spider-man they would understand like the struggle and everything he went through and just like what he has to go through on a daily basis of being spider-man that it's not all just like pow bang like defeating enemies like my life is great no like he actually had like an internal struggle so not only did he make it go mainstream and make it seem cool but also just like people who look for more that more of that in-depth like look into movies and like character development they were able to get that so you just got a giant scope of people who just completely interested in the movies like even if they didn't watch it on release they heard like how good it was and they were able to go to it just because of just how he portrayed it portrayed it like perfectly you know Mm -hmm. and i think uh something related to what octavia is saying here is like at, at some point um, obviously I don't know exactly how this was culturally, but at some point, right, comic books were very popular. Uh, we're talking in like what the fifties and sixties, the, the spawning of like these TV series and stuff. And I mean, seemingly they, they dropped off. And I think something I was thinking about that kind of, um, highlights this whole, uh, you know, Spider-Man, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man was able to make superhero movies like um mainstream so to speak uh and maybe maybe it's more of um a matter of the franchises in particular you know batman and superman seemed to follow a little bit of a different path but uh there was like that captain america movie and that fantastic four movie from the late 90s that were never released uh at least theatrically and i don't think the, the fantastic four one ever came out but um I don't know, it kind of shows a lack of confidence in some of the more uh, less established properties, right? And then, you know, X-Men comes out and Spider-Man came out pretty close together, right? I think they probably were planning them at a similar time. Um, well, here's a little Easter egg, Darren. Did you know that Hugh Jackman's Wolverine was supposed to appear in Spider-Man 1 in a scene in the yellow suit, but he didn't because of scheduling? Did you know that? That's insane. Yeah. So. You think that would have uh, led to any type of larger interconnectedness prior to the planning of the MCU? I think there would have been a higher chance since it would have happened, you know, and been there definitively. But I really don't know. Yeah, it's hard to tell. Sorry, just wanted to add that in. But yeah. Also, at that time, mid to late '90s, Marvel faced a lot of like issues in terms of their comic book sales. They were they made a lot of investments around that time. Oh, yeah. They tried to, they they started the theme park. At Universal, they were trying to get into music. They were trying to do. That's when they started signing all these contracts with studios to do the movies. Right. And and when so yeah. when everything started to click, you know, with X Men, Spider Man, they were able to sort of save themselves and bring them back, like everyone's been saying, back into the mainstream. This movie offered to offered a new chance for new readers to come in at a time when you could say that comics was at its nerdiest. We're talking about when collectibles were starting to rise up, everything like that yeah. that would push people away. Having a character on screen in such a big, you know, a blockbuster setting really helped to draw in new generations and what we have now. Yeah. And when you get to, you know, the content, just to kind of bring to full circle what we were talking about before, right? 
uh, Batman and Superman have always been around and they're always admired and people love them for many reasons. They have great stories in the comics. That's no doubt. I'm not trying to undermine that. But I feel like to me, when I think of Batman and Superman, especially if you try to apply this to back to them, they are, they're household names and they're, they're very myth- mythological, right? Like, oh no, you're not Superman. Like, like it's used in an everyday sense of, it's an everyday word, right? Superman. And I think what the thing with Spider-Man and why he was so popular and why that why this was even able to come out and be as successful as it was is because of the everyman quality of Spider-Man, right? And that's why these movies succeed is because that's his appeal is that anybody can be Peter Parker, right? You know, and and this we will talk about it when we dive into the narratives of the movies, but I think anyone can apply themselves to Peter Parker and have his because he's a struggling human mortal at the end. So. Exactly, and I. Think, uh, and I, oh, I apologize. <laughs> you should. Um, so I think that's a really good point because you know it's seen in in every art form. People want to see themselves in the art that they're consuming. Um, it's what drives us to consume art, and I think that not only is Spider Man a great example of that um, due to his story and how he's written, but also by how he's played by the actor in the film, Tobey Maguire. Do I think Tobey Maguire is like a fantastic actor? Probably not. To like, if we're being honest, like there are some points in the movie where I'm like, or in the trilogy, where like his acting is not like the best chops, but he plays the character extremely well, like better than anyone else ever has or probably ever will. And I think. That's because he has this perfect, like, amount of campy dorkiness, which is due to that um, Sam Raimi direction, but also just, like, this weird quality that Tobey Maguire has about him that he applies to the character. I don't know what it is, but it just works so well. Uh, I think that is a perfect connection to this quote that I, I read earlier. I actually, like, favorited this because um I was reading up on the movie earlier today, and I think it's something I've observed, what you're talking about, and uh, it's just like this little quote from him, it's literally on the Wikipedia page for the movie, but um, he, he talks about how, you know, he had, like, uh, moved along, like, the coast of California and was, like, staying with his aunts and his uncles, and they didn't have a lot of money, you know, and it was, like, tough for them, and... He, he felt like an outsider during this, and that allowed him to, like, identify with the character, which I think is really cool, and kind of speaks to that quality that he has as Peter Parker that might not be there with someone like Andrew Garfield or Tom Holland, you know, looking at whichever yeah. criticisms those characters may have in that sense. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, I definitely think that, you know, the actor putting himself into that role and being able to feel as if he's part of the character is super important. I mean, that's seen in so many um, great roles, especially, um, you know, comic book and superhero-related roles. Um, You can think of anything um, where people really get themselves into the role um, that helps it come out on the screen. And and it also speaks to that quality that was mentioned of Peter Parker, how he's this relatable everyday guy you know and it makes it easier for people to enjoy spider-man as it would any form of art and you know the fact that you know the actor himself had been in a position in this prior i think just kind of shows that quality even more so yeah i think to kind of dive into the actual 
you know, meat of the, the cinema in this movie. I kind of, I, I took a little few notes here. I think I'll just talk about it see what you guys think. Uh, one thing that's really interesting to me is you don't actually see Peter get his costume and start crime fighting until the hour mark, right? And during that time, the film is really relishing exploring Peter's transformation. And what's striking to me after rewatching it is how Raimi does things contemporary comic book movies I don't think would even consider because it would be too silly at this point, right? I mean, case in point, the first time we see Peter's spider sense in action, you know, the dissolve between the Green Goblin blowing up a military testing bunker and the caps thrown at Peter's high school graduation. It's it, And to me, and I think we've talked about this before, is that Raimi really enjoys and embraces being outlandish, you know, and it makes him one of the few filmmakers who have accurately and probably will accurately translate comic book imagery onto film. And there's just so many memorable images in this movie, right? Uh, How about Peter's when... Um... Yeah, go ahead. I'm thinking like one that always sticks out that uh, kind of ingrained into the idea of what's scary is the freaking masks in Norman Osborn's place, you know, yeah. and he's fucking hallucinating. He's like, what the f... Yeah, you look around, you see, you hear that like tribal music in the back. You see the masks everywhere and it lines up perfectly when he reveals his new self or whatever in the mirror. So I thought like, you're right, he, right. he brings in imagery and stuff that wouldn't necessarily align in another, in a new film. Also, something I will say is that you can tell that Sam Raimi, I don't know if he was a Spider-Man fan, like, before, or if he just did an amazing, um, he was? Okay, he was just, you can tell he likes and enjoyed it. Like, just, also just his, like, ability to, like, make it, like, just direct it perfectly. Like, he connects things from the first movie into the last movie, where he, like, like there's scenes that are almost identical like with uh harry and the green goblin from the first movie like there's a grenade scene and um another scene i forget which one it is but uh he connects the two movies and he just does it perfectly and he knows like the lore of just like everything and it's just amazing just the fact that he was able to do something like that you know yeah we actually Mm -hmm. talked about that specific parallel you mentioned like the what it is is you know like in the final scene where or in uh, you know the the final fight of Spider-Man one, not the last scene, but um, Green Goblin you know throws the the bomb at Spider-Man's face, and the way it's shot and it explodes is like almost exactly the same as the way Peter throws the bomb at Harry in Spider-Man three. Right. You get like the same angle and the same effect, and that kind of Octavio is pointing out shows you know again that like transformation, and now that's obviously a larger one over the course of several movies. But I also think that's something important to look at right not even just inside one film but i mean that's you know it's it's a direct display that peter with the black suit has transformed into what he was fighting in the first movie um and not not to go too far out of what we're discussing here but i think there uh you know there's a lot of criticism right that's focused on the third film and the portrayal of the symbiote and venom and there's a lot of reasons for that that i'm sure we'll get into but i I think that there are still parts where Raimi is able to show and, and Tobey Maguire are both able to show that, um, you know, the, the transformation and also just the, uh, the different dimensions of the character of Peter, right? Which I think is something that so far is unique to this iteration of Spider-Man. And in my opinion, it must speak to the ability of the actor playing Peter and the director of the movie, right? 
the shattered dimensions. Nice, nice. That was a good game. Anyone else here play Shattered Dimensions? Oh, dude, that was that's, that was lit, dude. Just such a good game. It's pretty great. You could actually play as I think like four different Spider Men. Uh, yeah. Iterations. Yeah, it is four. Ultimate, then Symbiote, fucking uh, Noir, and then twenty ninety nine. Yeah. Noir, cool. Nori. I don't know how the fuck to say it. I think it's Noir. <laughs> it's Noir. <laughs> Nori. <laughs> Nori. Spiderman. Uh, Spiderman. Sorry. Ultimate Spider-Man gang. Ultimate Spider-Man. Oh, dude, that the pool level? Holy shit. Fuck okay, yeah. sorry. All right, well, if we're talking about games, can Web of Shadows, you know? Oh, yeah. I don't oh, know. yeah. Uh, what I will say, though, is that Spider-Man 2, the game on PS2 or whatever platform, is still said to be one of the best Spider-Man games ever made. Well, well yeah, I mean, I think it's you know? known as, like, one of the best games. Yeah. games. And... It's because, I don't know, we'll get into the movie Spider-Man 2, but the story in that game was incredible because the movie was so good. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we can kind of just wrap up one. I mean, like I was saying before, there, there are just so many memorable images that I think really anyone thinks of nowadays, right? When he's his first climb, his fingers uh, <laughs> becoming, you know, barbed up so that the, the stickiness basically being shown close up. Uh, him practicing web slinging in his room, the drop of the very tense scene, you know, the the scene, the Thanksgiving scene, right? We can talk about that. Uh, where he is coming back as Spider-Man to this Thanksgiving dinner that Harry, his dad, Mary Jane, and Aunt May are, uh, and he just encountered Norman as the Green Goblin and him as Spider-Man, and his arm is cut. And if, I remember, even as a kid, this was a very tense scene because he's hiding in this room while Norman is looking for him as Peter. And Norman finds this drop of blood, you know, oh, as it drops yeah. slow motion from the ceiling. He's hiding around, he goes under the building, and it's very, very cool scene. Something else that I think <clears throat> should be noted, I, I wrote this down as something to look into. Uh, if we haven't already sold to the, the listeners already, um, the, like, the, the prominence of this film as a superhero movie, as its own Spider-Man, um, was looking at, like, the amount of money that this film made. In comparison to other films, something like Batman and Robin, right, which is kind of the only superhero movie that came directly close to X Men and Spider Man, Um, it made like two hundred thirty million in the box office. Spider Man made like eight hundred, high eight hundred millions. Yeah, fun fact, ridiculous by comparison, and it had an even lower budget. You know, I think that's pretty insane. Uh, Something incredible that people take for granted now with. MCU movies like you know if they open to three if an Avengers movie opens 300 million on a weekend I don't know how much people know about box office but if an Avengers movie were to open 300 million on a weekend that would be a it would be like a fail for them and for for a movie to open 100 million on a weekend now is like okay that's a bomb right it's a bomb of a but Spider-Man was the first movie I believe ever to cross 100 in one week so I think that that's pretty incredible yeah and even comparing it to X-Men here X-Men was just dwarfed in the box office by Spider-Man. It only made three hundred million, not even just uh, just below. So I think that kind of mm, is another totally. proof of how unprecedented what Sam Raimi did was not only in this yeah. genre, but as you're saying, you know, in general, it's pretty insane. Yeah, and uh, 
something that I thought of. You guys know I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty smart. I come up with great things. I come up with this podcast. I come up with great segments. <laughs> segment I thought we could do is one where okay, we talk about our favorite scenes. <laughs> yeah, the power of the podcast in the palm of my hand. Uh, <laughs> Nobel Prize, Bill. <laughs> you know, I had an idea. What if we talked about our favorite scenes? Ben Casey, do you think that's a good idea? You want to talk? I about think that's a scene? great idea, Neville. I'll talk about mine. Um. It's nothing very specific, I guess. Well, nothing specific about the scene that stands out other than the imagery for me. But I think that is a big thing in this movie. It's just a very fun film to look at. And for me, like as a kid growing up watching this, like it was my favorite movie. Like one of my favorite stories uh, uh, that like I've heard from my childhood is like when um, it was like 2006 and um the uh spider-man 3 obviously hadn't come out yet but my siblings like wanted me to shut the fuck up so they put on moulin rouge and there was this scene where they're swinging around on ropes like in a theater and they told me it was spider-man 3 and i totally fucking believed them and i don't know how maybe i'm just an idiot that was a complete tangent my favorite scene is um, when he's, like, hopping around and fighting the Green Goblin on the um, parade floats. I think that's such a cool fucking scene. Um, Like, for superhero movies at the time, like, having a scene like that, and, like, it was all, like, I believe all practical effects, like, with the balloons popping and shit. It was awesome. And it was just very fun to watch. Um, And then, like, when he swings away with uh, Mary Jane, of course, it was just... So fun. So yeah, that's my favorite. Want to go next? Um, I'll I go can. next. <laughs> All right. All right. Okay. Uh, so essentially, my favorite—it's rather a collection of scenes—is any single interaction Peter Parker has with fucking Mary Jane, dude. It, they're just—you know—he's just simping out real hard, you know. But it also just shows like. Again, which is what I really like about this Spider-Man is, like, the vulnerability that he has and just the lack of, like, even just social skills sometimes. And you can see his, like, confidence building up throughout the movie, like, obviously because he's, like, fucking Spider-Man. I mean, but that's something I think that especially the newer movies lack, like, specifically the Andrew Garfield movie because he, there's, like, um, in every single movie they kind of have a bullying scene. And in the Andrew Garfield movies, it's not even him being bullied. It's another kid, and he steps in, and he's like, hey, don't do that, Flash, or whatever. But And in, like, the Tom uh, Holland movies, he's just kind of, like, the cool nerdy kid that everyone's like, yeah, he's cool, he's smart, you know? But, like, in the Tobey Maguire ones, he's just he shows that vulnerability, and just the fact that he can't get that girl and everything just makes it so much better. But in, like, Andrew Garfield, he's, like, he's like flirting with uh, Gwen, right? No, not Gwen. Yeah. What is her name? Yeah, with Gwen, like, in every single scene, he's, like, flirting with her and being cool, and she's, like, fine with it. You know, she's kind of, like, you know, kind of, like, cringing or whatever because, you know, it's just that's what girls do or whatever. They're confusing as fuck, but that's a different podcast. Anyways, um, <laughs> <laughs> and Tom Holland, like, fucking, I don't know what her name is in the movie, but Zendaya is, like, interested in him, like, throughout the whole movie. She's, like, literally trying to figure out, like, why is... T- why is Peter Parker so weird? Like, is he Spider-Man? Why is he doing this Iron Man-like scholarship thing? But, like, in the Tobey Maguire ones that I love the most, it's just, like, 
like Mary Jane doesn't literally just does not like him or think of liking him till like the end when he starts like saving her and everything as Spider-Man, you know? And once he actually connects with her, like in that one scene where um, he, he's taken out to trash and she's getting like abused by her parents and they kind of talk and like she kind of opens up to him, but not because she trusts him, but just because, you know, I feel like she doesn't really have an outlet and that kind of shows like with her boyfriend, which is just an asshole, like Flash literally dumps her on graduation day. But why do good yeah. girls love bad guys? Yeah. yeah. Um, why do good girls like bad? But yeah, that's my favorite scenes. Just the ones with uh, Spider-Man and or Peter Parker and Mary Jane. Yeah. I mean, the uh, I guess I'll, I'll just go real quick because I don't, I don't know if I can say I have a favorite scene. They're all just, it's, you know, it's everything to me. But I think that, again, the iconic I don't know, Shakespearean? I don't know what, what word to use. Like, for example, the upside-down kiss, right? That is one of the most iconic scenes in, I guess, cinema history, I would say now, right? I mean, and I think that everything is... The way that the scenes are done and the way that it kind of feeds into the symbolism and iconicism is just beautiful to me. Uh, I'll just do a quick fun fact. In the Thanksgiving dinner scene that I mentioned, when they're all sitting down, uh, it's the best place to see this. Peter Parker is wearing Green Goblin colors, and Norman Osborn is wearing Spider-Man colors. Uh, Harry Osborn, this is one that's kind of debated, but I think the, the one I've seen the most is, like, he's wearing aspects of both of their colors because he's torn between Peter and his father and those two kind of lives. But that, that's my uh, Manny, favorite scene. I have a list of snippets. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. Sure. Spider bite. Skeleton okay. scene. You know nice. what I'm talking about? Yeah, Blood about. drop. Cage match, stop the bus, <laughs> sleep, don't tell Harry, and I was looking for one more. Oh, How about, uh, I mean, you said cage match, right? Yes, cage match. Bone saw is ready. You know. Bone uh, saw is ready. And I also like the, this is like when Spider-Man first hits the scene is like, it's kind of like interview style with a bunch of random like city people. I like that whole Actually, yeah, that maybe one of my favorites. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That is like, uh, yeah. The one girl is like, guy with, guy with eight arms. That's pretty hot. Uh, um, so there's a several for me. Um, I'm not going to run through all of them, but just quickly, some of the ones I want to talk about very briefly as to why I like them. Um, first off, the Thanksgiving one is definitely up there for the reasons you mentioned. I thought that was really cool uh, finding that out and then, you know, rewatching the movie a couple of times since finding that out, as well as the, you know, the tension with the blood drop portion of that mm-hmm. scene. And also the character of Norman Osborn, I think is his transformation is shown in this scene very well. And uh, he's, he's like terrifying the way he looks at aunt may while, you know, scraping the knives together before he fuck. Yeah. That scared the shit out of me. Yeah. It's just the, the acting by Willem Dafoe. And also, you know, the interaction from aunt may, you know, where she like tells him to stop. And then in response, he, does that i thought that was insane and also you know just it's kind of an important progression to see like harry's you know being torn between what you were saying the two of them if you want to take that analysis to his color scheme and his costume design in this scene but you know where he actually ends up defending his father even though he was arguing with his dad about it he still defends his dad to mj you know when they go outside mm-hmm. and they're kind of shit talking her essentially or at least his dad is um <clears throat> so i really like that scene um 
the 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 scene after the cage match that uh you know where he goes to collect the money but he doesn't get it because the the booker is an asshole and you know says i miss the part where you know that's my problem or <laughs> you know the iconic yeah. and then spider-man chooses not to stop the guy and then that kind of ends up indirectly playing in uncle ben's death i think that's like a really insane scene and it's so key to the transformation of peter into the hero right i think it's really well done i don't know um and then uh the parade float scene is up there but i i really like the final fight more um i i, I don't know there's something about the the sounds in that scene that Very brutal yeah and, and it's so intense and seeing the damaged suit is something that i really like the practical effects damage mm. on the suit it's something that we don't see right now at all essentially um i really liked that and you know obviously the the part where willem dafoe says oh right before he gets out with the glider is it's great <laughs> um and i don't know it also i think just the the insanity of the goblin as he's begging with peter i don't know i thought that was really good um and then one more is <clears throat> is the uh the the final scene where you know, Peter and MJ talk at the funeral and the, the voiceover, yes. all of that is up there. Um, I think that is very important to the character development. And I also think it's an amazing way to end the movie and uh, kind of, I don't know. I think it, I just think it's an insane scene overall. With that score, right? That beautiful. Yeah. Score. Oh my God. It's... And then, then the final swing, obviously kind of those right. two are connected, right? Yeah. It's really incredible. Yeah. That's great. Um, quick fun fact. Did you know that for most of the filming of this movie, he had web shooters and they digitally edited them, edited, uh, edited them out uh, for most of the scenes. And you can kind of catch them if you, and there's like screen things online, but if you pause, you can kind of see like a bump. And that was him wearing the web shooters because it was a, it was a post shoot decision for the most part to uh, have them be natural, natural web shooting. So that's I super interesting because like, Mm, I don't know. I feel it was like really divisive at the time. Uh, yeah, you know, I read about it because people were like, "No, you know, he wears web shooters as part of his character." And there's an argument for that, but I I like to take. I didn't really have a problem with it. It wasn't a huge for me. I agree. Yeah. I think it was cool. I always thought that was cool. Scene. Oh my god, the fucking scene where the um fucking shit comes out of his fingers. Oh my god, I love that shit. Yeah, the I'm power sorry. discovery scene is also yeah. one of the. And he starts climbing up. Mm-hmm. That's what I was saying before. It's with the with the kissing scene. Just two, those two scenes. I feel like are just cemented in cinema. You know, because it was iconic. A, yeah, I uh, I said this, <laughs> I said this the other day to Octavia. For anyone that's listening, who had Doctor Dean, I don't know uh, if you recall the <laughs> He at least said this in art class a lot. He, he'd make this joke about shaving your palms. And every time yeah. you say it, it would remind me of the scene where you see the, the microscopic <laughs> hairs, you know, the hooks coming out of... Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Yes. That would always pop into my head. <laughs> Dr. Dean, if you're out there, stop dodging my calls. We know you're simping. Uh, that is all. It's true. It's true. Okay. We don't need okay, to say any fault. names. But He's simping say names. on his fifth wife. <laughs> no, no, no. I, hope yeah, if me, I don't know, dude. I'm, I'm going to stop myself. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, it. that's it. That's it. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Um, all right, guys. We talked about the iconic first movie. Perf- you know, perfect in so many ways. 
you know, it it was great. It did so much for the genre. It pushed it forward to where no one thought it could go. But then you have 2004 Spider-Man 2. And talk about pushing things forward, am I right? Because that was just, you know, in Spider-Man 3 when he's like, this is something else. This is something else, you know? <laughs> I mean, like, what was Spider-Man 2? I mean, I really I gotta take a piss. Oh, oh. Okay. I thought that would be a funny little soundbite, but I, because I didn't, no one was saying anything. I, and it's also <laughs> yeah, true. I don't know so if that's I'll, true, I'll, but can I also run to the restroom really quick? We can just I, I, I'm okay, serious. Sure. I, I'll, 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 I'll allow both of you to use the restroom. Okay. Yeah, guys, guys, can you guys check the chat real quick? What do you guys think about Norman Osborn's wave check? What's his wave check specifically? Like, oh, when uh, he's like talking to Harry. <laughs> <laughs> talking about his comic book. Um. His comic book uh, counterpart. Harry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just looking through pictures of Norman Osborn. Bro, I'm getting yeah, seasick right. just looking at him. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, he has orange hair, orange wavy hair, and it's pretty interesting. What do you guys Did think you about Kirsten Dunst? 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 Kirsten Dunst? Dude, yeah. Kirsten Dunst was so many kids, including, I would say myself, and I'm sure many of you. That was like the first. That's like, Red you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's the first it. time I had a crush on a girl. Yeah, I realized that redheads were people too. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we're getting canceled. We're getting canceled. We're getting canceled. Uh oh. Just kidding. Oh, okay. Take that out oh. too, please. <laughs> well, now I actually have to cut that out. Thank you. No, I, have to... I don't want the lizard coming after me, bro. Please. <laughs> Uh, hold on, I'm gonna wait for Darian to get back and put on the headphones, and I'm gonna say too. I'm back. Darian, you missed one of the greatest... You missed a great joke. So, Darian, we were talking about how, uh, we, after we saw Kirsten Dunst in the movie, we realized that redheads are real people too, like, uh... No, okay. (laughs) Okay, we're done, we're done. Just don't say names, guys. It's, it's painful. I have to go back and edit it. And But it's funny when you gotta bleep it and shit, so right? the, Just don't say names. So you're right. Bleeping is funny. Keep, please, yeah. keep continue saying things. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, no, it was a... All right. we, can't, okay. we can't say names anymore. We're not just... So, that, so that's ben super weird that she's webs. <laughs> ben and Darian have returned from the bathroom, and we're talking about how you know, Octavia brought up how... Incredible Kirsten Dunst is Dunst 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 Kirsten Dunst Kirsten Dunst and how for many of us and many kids growing up that was like the first you know that's like your first crush I guess that was my first boy boy did I want to shoot my webs on a Kirsten (laughs) 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 alright listen no but I'm just gonna say that upside down kiss. Bisexual awakening right there. Mwah, Dude, mwah, that mwah, shirt mwah. was a, that shirt in the rain. My... <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm talking about. You're I right. Like you're right. gonna get canceled, but Sam Raimi definitely did that on purpose. Yeah, well, From I'm the only wardrobe them. to the rain to just the camera angle and how it's barely like there. Like you Toby your wire is hot too. I just want that out okay. there. Uh, Fucking agree to... with me. Okay. Manny, what did you think of Kirsten Dunst? You mean, what did I think of James Franco? Mm. <laughs> yeah, pivot you... from the woman, Manny. <laughs> that, that JK, again, JK. Right. Um, Kirsten Dunst, I don't know. You know, I wasn't, I'm not a big MJ girl. I'm just going to say it. Sorry. I know, I'm not saying I was the biggest. Okay, I'm not going to do this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. Um, Spider-Man 2 is where we were going. Uh, <laughs> All right. Why don't you, you read the first line of the movie? They'd be like, set the scene here. Set the scene. Well, you know what that is? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll say it. I'll say it. I'll say this first scene. There she is. I look at her every day. Mary Jane Watson. Something, something. If only I could be with her. But I'm Spider-Man. Given a job to do. Cut to Peter Parker on his bike in New York traffic. Vroom, vroom. As he passes by at Joe's Pizza Shop. Parker, stop, stop, stop. His bike almost flips over. I'm sorry, Mr. Aziz. There was a disturbance. A disturbance. Always a disturbance with you. Come inside. In comes order. Hamilton, Burton, and Smith. 50, uh, 40, 20 large deep dish pizzas. In 31 minutes, I will default on Joe's 30-minute guarantee. 29-minute guarantee. I'm counting on you. This is it, or you're fired. I can do this, Mr. Aziz. He runs, uh, he looks at the clock on his bike, stuck in the New York gridlock. <sighs> Into an alleyway he goes. A fellow comedian, I don't remember his name, but he was on Chappelle's show. He sees Spider Man oh, emerge yeah. where Peter Marker came from. Uh, hey! <laughs> You stole the guy's pizzas. Spider-Man continues swinging. Okay, I'll stop there. Thank you. Extended cut has like a good seat, a good line where like, why don't you get Salim to deliver? He's like, Salim got the border, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 2.1. <laughs> That's a good one. Although 2.1 eliminates the goal. Yeah, yeah I don't I get it. I don't get that choice, but. You know, because it all. should be extended, right? Like, why not yeah. have it all? All right. Anyways. Sorry, I watched, uh, I watched. Peter Parker uh, Pizza Time YouTube poop today. <laughs> Phenomenal. Possibly uh, the <laughs> second was that? What? It's the it's the one it's like the most famous one. It's the one with four million oh. views. Okay. Um, okay. it's like uh, it's pretty high quality. I'd rank it like second out of the four films if we're including uh, I the prefer YouTube. into the pizza verse, uh, Manny, uh, Gary knows what I'm talking about. That is a, that is a good one too. I know what you're talking about. Because that one also has Andrew Garfield crushing on Tom Holland and being a predator, <laughs> which I thought was really Jesus. funny. <laughs> yeah, by far, by far the best character work from Tom Holland and Andrew Garfield Spider-Man is in into the pizza verse. <laughs> I'm glad this made it into the, the the podcast because I think it really just, is important to talk about. I mean, I know we're eventually going to get to Spider-Man Two, the best movie out of three, because somehow we've been avoiding it for 15 minutes. <laughs> but um, the meme quality of this series is the meme ability oh. is literally beyond anything even, else. See, it's beyond meme ability for me. I'm being serious. It's, it's beyond meme ability for me because. When you say that something is a meme or you use something as a quote-unquote meme, there's often not a negative connotation, but there's like a, yeah, it's not serious. It's not, I mean, okay, what I'm trying to say is that, you know, these these quotes, these Raimi memes, as they're often called on the, you, you can use them in everyday context, and they're just fun to use. It's fun to be like, gonna cry? Or, hey, everyone, you know, like, it's it's fun. And it's great because you're all just referencing something you love. And it just, for, I think, many of us talking to each other every day, it's become part of the dichotomy of conversation. I, I just really love it. And I love the movies for that. Truly. Beautiful. Spider-Man 2. Did you know that Roger Ebert gave this four stars out of four? Did you know that, Manny? Of course, bro. He said that, in his opinion, it was... it. You said this in your script and stuff. It just encapsulated... It was like the peak, almost. It had the, all the right elements of a superhero movie without being too cheesy, 
having the heart and like and knowing that it's a comic book movie. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, what can be said? The, I mean, I mean, it really is like, I mean, we're all, I know this is uh, to someone listening who's probably impartial. This is just a big circle, which it is. <laughs> but like, I really do boy, think yeah. this is, you know, this is oh boy, yeah, this is just a perfect movie, bro. Like the villain is perfect. The it's just all, Octavio. What do you think? Yeah, personally, I just think that just how every and every way that they portray the movie and just how it's built around and just how it like just the sequence of movies how it shows like not even just in the movie themselves how it shows like character development and just different like things that spider-man and everything has to deal with but just not even just in the movies themselves but the trilogy just how it advances and keeps connecting things from different movies fucking perfect dude and you have I, this, I like uh, to, yeah, yeah. Oh, I like to touch on the point of character development um, because <laughs> I think that uh, I may have said this on the podcast before. I'm a slut for character development. It's my favorite thing in any art. Um, it's what I want to like create in my own art is and focus on in my own art. And what I like, listen, <laughs> what I like to see in other right, things next. because I think it's so much more enjoyable to see these arcs. I don't even care. I don't really care if the plot isn't that interesting um, in a lot of stuff because I think characters are what we can relate to as humans, and I think that's so cool. But in this fucking movie, Tobey Maguire, his struggles, his internal struggles, his external struggles, Mm -hmm. and how those affect him as not only Peter Parker but as Spider-Man and how those two interact, it's it's the most well-done fucking character in in any superhero movie ever and it literally stands up to top tier movies in other fields too it's done that well the acting is that great the directing is that great the writing is that great like Mm -hmm. seriously like i'm sure people listening to this have seen the fucking movie before so like again it's kind of a circle jerk but like it it's unconceivable that you nowadays would have a movie like this um and it's like it's it's just so fucking sick like like if you need enough proof to realize that it's a good movie they were able to make a broadway show out of it no it's awful um like dozens of people got fucking injured there they there's it's a was a fucking nightmare. What was it glow in the dark or something? Okay, no, well, okay, so yeah, well that's okay, that's okay. another another podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, we'll watch the Spider Man. Fucking Bono and U two did the music for it. All right, it's horrible. All right. All right. Uh, I'm just gonna run through real quick. You know, special effects in Spider Man two. Mwah. They had four different people portraying the uh, Doctor Octopus arms, which was incredible. And again, you come back to this thing. Keep saying it. Practical and digital effects blended together come to make the perfect modern day spectacle again, right? You know, I know the MCU movies are obviously CGI heavy. We've talked about that, but this is just a perfect, perfect blend. I and yeah, Darian, do you have anything? Um, well, on the topic of the Doctor Octopus arms, uh, I might be jumping the gun a little bit here, um, as this Probably. might be one of my choices for a later question, but that scene where Dr. Octopus oh, yeah. wakes up with the, the doctors, I just, I, I don't, we need to. Yeah. And that, that, and that scene 
as we kind of get hinted at with the first movie and the masks, the kind of scary Norman Osborn stuff. Sam Raimi's horror roots, right? This is a guy who created The Evil Dead, some other great horror movies, and that's really that was his genre, right? And for him to be to be picked to make these this trilogy and make it so well and bring those elements to a PG thirteen superhero movie is pretty incredible. And uh, it's just that it's not cheesy, not cheesy in the wrong ways, and. It's horror, actual horror, and not just cheap. Yeah, and I, I think it's like for anyone who's listening um, and doesn't know this and has an interest in maybe the MCU, but doesn't care that much about separate superhero movies or something. Uh, Sam Raimi's directing the next Doctor Strange, right? So, yeah, taking um, an analysis of this film, obviously, it really depends what he's given to work with and what direction he wants to take it in, but. You know, we know it's going to have this, like, horror-esque um, tone to it at the least, right? Maybe, I'm not sure if it's yeah. being discussed as a horror movie, but I think that'll be really cool. So, I mean, if this is any indicator, uh, which it is, obviously, of what Sam Raimi can do correctly with a, a superhero movie, I think that movie has a lot of promise in that regard. Yeah, it's. I've never been excited for an MC movie like that in a long standalone. So really excited to see what he does. I'm hoping the studio doesn't cut him off in the way that Sony kind of did in Spider-Man 3. Because the previous director, Scott Derrickson, who directed the first Doctor Strange, did leave over creative differences. So I don't know. It's kind of a weird situation. I don't know. Hope the best for our boy. Hope the best for the super, the, sorry, the future. And uh, yeah. So I guess we can go ahead and discuss our favorite scenes. Uh, how about we start with Ben Cage? All right, I am going to go with, I'm going to steal it from all of you all, it's a fucking classic, it's probably what most people would say, but I'm just going to say it, the fucking yeah. train scene. What? Oh, I thought you were going to say the laundry <laughs> scene where he's reading poetry, but sorry. Oh, that's funny. I mean, that's good. All right. Um, no, I'm going to say the train scene, because, like, it's beautiful. Like, it's not only, like, just... One of the best action sequences of all time. Um, yeah, like, the fight on it is fucking ridiculous. Like, them f- moving all around the train. But his able... Uh, uh, um, the acting and direction working together to not only, you know, combine that fight scene with such an emotional fucking heartbreaking, but also, like, empowering moment at the end there as they, you know, carry Spider-Man and protect him and um the classic moments you know not giving away his identity all of that um these are you know foundational moments in in this movie and in superhero movies and um just watching that like i get goosebumps every time it's fucking beautiful yeah i think i'm gonna go with real quick the spider-man no more you know the scene where he throws away his well i guess first is actually the scene where he has this introspection and is talking to Uncle Ben's kind of memory in his own mind. He says, you know, that I can be Spider-Man. No, and he gives up Spider-Man and throws the uh, the suit in the garbage. The exact comic recreation is the same with him walking away from the garbage with the suit in it. And uh, I think that is just one of the most powerful in terms of character. And uh, you understand, and we've talked about it, but like, you know, you've seen what he's been going through. The struggle, the human struggle, and the fact that he decided. And it's it's just incredible. So... Uh, who wants to go next? Um, I'll, I'll jump in, I guess. Uh, I, I think the train scene is probably my favorite. Um, 
for all of the same reasons Ben said. I also, something we kind of missed, uh, but it, it's present throughout each film, I think. Um, going back to the first film, though, it has the same vibe as the bridge scene where the New York citizens are throwing trash at the Green Goblin and, you know, the all the people standing in front of Spider-Man. I think that is one of my favorite aspects about this iteration of Spider-Man. Not only the setting of New York, uh, just seeing the buildings and stuff physically more than we do in Homecoming and Far From Home, but also the setting in the sense of, you know, the atmosphere that is created through these people, also through the montage scene, you know, that Manny talked about. I think you get a lot of that here. Uh, I think the bank scene is also really good, you know, Butterfingers. The the horror Ow. surgery scene, right? That's oh, great. Yeah. Um, and then, but I, I think hmm, it's really tough. Um, I think that the, the, the final fight between Doc Ock and Spider-Man is also really strong, but... Uh, I, I like the part where, you know, he, he has the talk and, you know, gets him to come to his senses and stuff, but I don't, I don't know. I think I prefer the Green Goblin final fight a little bit more, um, but another scene that's definitely up there for me is, um, you know, Nobel Prize. Harry and Peter are at the, the first demonstration yeah. of the, what is the, 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 the device called? What is, the, uh, the nuclear fusion energy yeah, the, the, the fusion yes yeah um, the power of the sun in the palm of my hand yeah yeah i think that that scene's amazing and also another horror element you know the what glass is... flying towards his wife and that oh like her eye screaming. yeah yeah I'm gonna cry what did you think about what did... <laughs> okay what did everyone think of the uh, 20 dollar bill joke i would like the 20 dollar bill joke manny what do you think of the 20 dollar bill joke i don't know like I'll call my sister every now and then, and we'll be like, "Do you happen to leave a twenty dollar bin a rubber band?" Because we found the rubber band. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, oh, I want to get Alfred Molina. I think. Mm, perfect. I think I, I never expected Doc Ock to be such a cool character in a movie. I always thought, "Oh, Doc Ock, that motherfucker!" Such right? a, some, like some nerd. Yeah. Yeah, but like yeah. he brings such a, sw- a swagger to it as well, and you, you, you obviously you you warm up to him before all this happens. He's trying to. He's trying to he's trying to guide Peter, tell him you know you know you need to be. Oh, Rosie, I love this boy. Yeah, and then to see to see you know his wife okay. die and he just mentally collapses into his arms. And it makes sense. Arm. It's not so, yeah because you've seen him. And he has he has a, he has a small he has a small part of retribution at the end. You know, so yeah, well, yeah. die a monster. Yeah, a, a little background, I guess, like um, from my own background. Um, like Alfred Molina is a like very famous Broadway actor, which is an interesting. It's an interesting choice of you know if you're taking a chance. You don't have to raise on, your voice. <laughs> oh, okay. You're taking a chance on um, you know someone who's not as experienced in film probably, but you know he's a really great actor and it shows in this film. The character he's in Pink Panther too. I was about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He plays like some Indian detective. It's pretty funny. Sorry. All right. You're going to say something. Can I say no. something? Yeah. Can I say yeah. something? Okay. No. So personally, my uh, I want to say my two favorite scenes, if that's okay. All right. Sure. Yeah. So or the second one's like a collection of scenes, right? So the first one is uh, obviously the train scene because not only does... Like, it shows that Spider-Man in this, at least in this, like, 
movies and trilogies is not just someone who helps and is highly appreciated. He is part of the community and the culture of New York and that universe of New York. Like he is part of it. And they like, not only do they appreciate him, but they respect him. Like they see his face. They see who he is. They could very easily out him and they decide not to, because they're like, he does this for a reason. And he, you know, like he's just a normal guy. Everyone realizes they're like, he's just a kid. Like, you know, like he's what what right. is he in that? He's, is he 18 19 like i think he got out of high school and he's like starting college right he's like early very early maybe 20s you know 2021 20, yeah 22. yeah exactly so and then apart from that just the um <laughs> sorry just, i saw something like funny yeah <laughs> um anyways um i just like going off what manny said regarding doc ock like my before this movie, I had played certain Spider-Man games because uh, there were Spider-Man games before these movies came out and shit. And I've read some comics because my uncle, he was a huge Spider-Man fan. If anything, he got me into these movies. But Doc Ock just seemed like an arrogant head ass. Like he just, <laughs> he was just like a jackass with like fucking claws that would just like try to steal things for his own personal gain. But here, you see that. He he really isn't a villain. He really isn't evil. He just does really fucked up things. But he only does that because he lets his ambition and his like greed get to him because he's trying to replace that pain and anger and avoid the fact that he killed his wife. So he's trying to be like he's trying to excuse it on a mistake that someone made that he can do it, you know? Like I'm going to do it for my wife, but he's just trying to avoid the problem. He's trying to cope with it. And you know, he's since he has like superhuman abilities, his coping mechanisms are much different than anyone else's. But he's just trying to cope with that pain and that pain is blinding him to the truth and he's like and just all of that combined is making way for him to do bad things, which in his eyes are not bad. He's just trying to, you know, give the world free energy or not free energy, but like a really crazy amount of energy for like really cheap and just fix. Like if let's say he was able to pull that off and he didn't become Dr. Octopus, you know, that like realistically that would have like literally just flipped the world upside down on its, like on its head, you know, like just, he was doing an amazing thing. He was a great person, but so that pain and anguish just made way for him to become a horrible person. <laughs> he realizes yeah. that, and then at the very end, like basically redeems himself. You know? Yeah, and and this is something I really am glad is being brought up, and uh, I was gonna bring up pretty soon if somebody else didn't get to it. And something I appreciate about these films the most of all, and you you could say Spider Man in general, but I think that these films out of the three series that we have, have displayed it the best. And that is uh, one ties into the transformation that Emil was uh, discussing earlier, but also just um, this, it's like a juxtaposition, right? In the first movie and the second movie uh, where, and you could even say the third movie, which we'll get to, but Peter loses uncle Ben and he gains a lot of power in they're both connected in some way, right? He he gains the powers, goes to the wrestling event so he can get money, and then acts selfishly, and it, it costs him Uncle Ben's life. Um, you know, and it's kind of a very similar thing that happens with Doc Ock, where you know he creates something amazing. He has a lot of power, and then he 
has an oversight as a result of having that newfound power and it costs him, you know, the life of his wife and his sanity. Um, but it's kind of like, I think Doc Ock and the Green Goblin take the alternate routes that Peter could have taken given the events that happened to him and the abilities that he gained. And I think that's a great comparison and it's not like shoved in your face, right? It's not like the focus of it. It's there, there's no explication of that. And that's what makes it so good. I think is that you're presented with these two things and you could go through the whole movie and not immediately notice that. And it would still be great. But when you think about it in that sense, I think it's really cool. And it also ties in to this like key part, I think of the Spider-Man character. It, you know, he doesn't have a father. He loses uncle Ben and then pretty much every prominent male figure in his life that he looks up to loses themselves to their own power. They don't have the responsibility to deal with what they're dealing with. And yet he has to continue to deal with that himself and also has to be the person to stop these people that he looked up to. Um, and I think that was, I don't know. I think the movies here do it really well and it's what makes the character work so good. Yeah, like now that I think about it, if anything, if Spider-Man was a villain, it liter- he'd literally just be Venom. Literally, the only thing Venom is is just Spider-Man, like just evil. Like he could most definitely, like he has all the things that these, like quote-unquote villains have. But if anything, like the Sam Raimi films just make the, like the villain just seem like victims more than anything, and victims both of outside like situations just of themselves and their own greed and like fucking uh, like selfishness yeah and it's because like what has happened to them is so close to what could have happened to the protagonist right yeah and that just i mean obviously has the effect that the villain is not that far from the hero and neither is the hero from the villain which i think the third movie discusses more yeah yeah i I'm- think that's great analysis darian because like you were saying it's a very implied theme it's not like throwing it in your face like this is how you're supposed to feel it's telling you like that like you can you can make the choice to think about these things and when you do it's it's there for you to kind of um kind of just ponder about it, i guess because like when you when you get down to it like the theme of this film and i think of the whole series it's about morality it's about the difference between you know uh, that there is no difference between right and wrong it's that you no one's born inherently good or bad people are born the same things happen to them and then it's about what you do with what happens to you and your circumstances that you can, you know, how you can figure out how to respond to those situations. And I think that's something everyone can relate to. And that's a thread throughout is that it's this series is so great because the characters, you can just, you can feel everything with them. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong here, because um, I have seen one and three more recently than two. But, uh, in in this movie Spider-Man 2 we we start to uh see the dis- the the display that you know like Harry knows that Spider-Man well quote unquote knows that Spider-Man was responsible for his father's death right is that introduced near the end of the film or is that something that's kind of happening throughout 
It's uh at the end of one. I'm pretty yeah, sure when so, he drops him off and he sees so, Spider-Man, but you know. Yeah, so in this movie you kind of start to explore this thing where, you know, Harry's talking to Peter. Again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure given that he knows at the end of the first movie, the scenes where he's like, I know that you photographed this guy or whatever, and he kind of has contempt yeah, basically, Peter before he even knows Peter is Spider-Man. Like, Yeah, basically the beginning of two is more like, what, where, why are you protecting him? Tell me where he yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I wanted to make yeah, sure that was... Yeah. I didn't know if that was something throughout the movie or just introduced at the end of it. And that's yeah. kind of like for the most of two, where it's just like, stop, like, why are you... Are, you're supposed to be my friend. Like, why are you protecting him? Yeah, and I think that's kind of, it's the build for Harry to be in a similar position to these people, like Doc Ock and Green Goblin and Spider-Man, right? Like, he's lost his father, and he's searching for a way to deal with that, and then obviously it manifests in the third movie, which we'll get to. But I think, um, I don't know, I think something we haven't talked about too much, uh, I know Manny tried to initiate this earlier, but James Franco, um, I think there's, you could you could say, you know... He's one of the more questionable <laughs> actors in these movies. Um, I don't know. At least some of the analysis yeah. I've heard. I always but... thought it fit. I don't think that he's like the best actor, but I thought that the the way he acted, and I know a lot of people critique, especially like I think in maybe one he's more critiqued. I, I'm not sure. But I yeah, think that, I forget which, yeah. I think overall it just fits the Harry Osborne character, if it is a flaw, if that. Yeah, I don't and- I think it's so important. We were talking about earlier, you know, Peter's like uh, th- this weird, like he-, he has this like, I mean, he's an outsider, right? Socially. And he has he's not this, like socially yeah, all there. Yeah. And I-, I think it makes sense that his friend, you know, Harry, his best friend would be kind of, you know, goofy himself. And I don't know. I think uh, he brings something to the character. If the character is played completely seriously with the, the lack of focus that there is, on him in the first and second movie i think that it wouldn't really he wouldn't really be an interesting character i don't think he'd be very entertaining and uh nonetheless though i think they still do a decent job of building him to a larger role in the third movie throughout these two you know tying in what i was just saying about how he starts to i don't know i think that was i think they did a a a good job again it's not like they're shoving in your face but it's kind of like they're just implicitly like showing this build right i mean i guess they are kind of there are direct lines from him but it's not the focus of the movie it's just something you see happening yeah. that's it, something we've talked about on him, peter but that's something we've talked about with the harry osborne thing taking place slowly over the three movies i mean obviously splitting by three but taking place slowly like we're talking about an era of movie where you didn't need a post-credit scene like okay the first the second movie right when Harry Osborn finds Norman Osborn's lair after he throws the sword through the mirror, like nowadays that would have been in a post-credit scene, right? And it, I think it just goes to show that you can build things across multiple movies without even knowing if, because when Sam Raimi made Spider-Man One, he didn't know there was going to be a sequel, right? There's no assurance. You know, you can make a movie and hint towards a future development in, in a plot or character without it being a post-credit scene, with, with it still being a solid, complete movie, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's just really, really important, and I wish more people, more filmmakers would utilize that. And, you know, we talked about that with Harry, but, you know, give me rent. What about Mr. Dick- Mr. Ditkovich? <laughs> you know, Spider-Man 2, we get the uh, the introduction of Mr. Ditkovich, and I think that he's the perfect bridge to Spider-Man 3. I'll pay my rent when you fix this damn door! <laughs> 
Exactly. <laughs> what do uh, what do we think about the the losing the powers uh, that right so situation? Well, Sorry, well, go ahead, Octavia. Yeah. yeah, well, I think that's more than just, like, he's lost a part of himself, because he is both Peter Parker and Spider-Man. He's lost himself. He's lost a purpose to l- basically, like, ex- not really exist, but he you can see him. He's, like, not just depressed because he's lost his powers, but just everything else going on in the movie. It's just, it's an analogy to just Peter Parker as, like, at the core of himself has lost his way. And Look, so he loses his powers in the process just yeah. because, you know. Dr. Octavius tells him in the beginning of the movie that, and I think that you can kind of boil a lot of the main themes or the biggest theme down to love, right? This this thing with MJ and being able to tell her or not tell her is such a huge part of his struggle. It may be the chief thing, you could argue. And Dr. Octavius tells him, you know, he says, Peter, you keep something as keep something like love bottled up inside. You'll, you'll get sick, right? And that's what happens. He gets sick. And the same thing his doctor tells him is that it's all in his head and it's his heart. And he's trying to grapple with, like I said, chief thing being love, but also this internal struggle of being Spider-Man that it physically has an outcome in terms of he can't be Spider-Man or is having trouble being Spider-Man. And when he does get, quote unquote, get those powers back, it's it's when he comes to terms with, right? it's right after he talks to MJ at that date in the coffee shop when Dr. Octavius shows up, when he says that, Oh, I, I was mistaken. I can't be there because he realizes his responsibility. He upholds it, and that's when he gets his powers back. And I gotta say that I'm sure for many of us, as a kid, when you weren't really paying attention to the character drama or understanding what they were saying, it was very confusing as to why he lost his powers. Just something that happened. But it was—it's really nice now. Look, okay, it's logical. It's not just something you know. Yeah. For me, I, I always associated Spider-Man with this idea of—he's very selfless. Especially mm-hmm. when it when he's bogged down in reality, he's still selfless to the end. That whole beginning sequence, you see him just getting hit yeah. after hit, you know. Um, can't deliver the pizza, gets fired. Jonah's not going to give him the money for the, the pictures or whatever. He already got an advance. What else happened? Uh, money troubles, he can't pay Money rent. troubles, he can't pay rent. He forgot Mary it's his Jane. birthday. He pretty much, you know. He's and failing school. Harry, he's Harry, failing school. Harry's attacking. His best him. friend is, is giving a cold shoulder. Yeah. And... So there is that breaking point in you know when he's trying to chase love that he he loses he loses confidence in himself and a part of him which is his selflessness and that's why he becomes just isn't, Peter Parker halfway through. Isn't MJ gonna date like a fucking astronaut or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jameson's son. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. the astronaut. The astronaut. So so when he he says he's Spider-Man no more, he's losing half of himself or more than half. And so it's a, it's a nice little story to see the hero trying to come to grips with who they are in the costume and outside of the costume. Because you also see the part where he goes and tries to rescue that little Asian girl um, right. without his oh, powers. I remember, dude, yeah. I have an so, insane memory of like, have you guys ever, you remember Circuit City? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even, it was like, it's like yeah. Best Buy, right? It was just, yeah. it was just a knockoff. Yeah. And I remember no. being a kid in Circuit City. I don't know why we always went there. We never bought anything, but we, I remember we were always there. And I was always looking at the TV display. And the same clip from Spider-Man 2, the scene where he saves the little girl. It's not even a Spider-Man scene. It was just on loop. The scene of him going into the burning building and saving the girl and coming out. I remember seeing that like so many times and over and over again. I'm like, damn. You know? And I don't know. Just an insane memory. Could you um, say that Sam Raimi tried connecting that scene to the first movie when he saves the baby as Spider-Man? 
Oh, no, there's definitely a connection in terms of... The, Except this time he can't save everyone. Yeah. That's the yeah. issue. Because they so. the, the firefighter's like, yeah, we lost a poor soul on the third floor. And it pans, you know, it zooms into mm. his face where he realizes... It's one of the first realizations he has where it's like, okay, my okay. my 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 choice not to act has consequences. Yeah, he's like, I gotta get my shit together, you know? Well, yeah. you can also say that this kind of... Like, to the Tom Holland movies where... Iron Man's like you're not you're not anything without your suit, you know? Like you're not they just kind of failed to do the same thing in this movie. I think they were trying to kind of do that, you know. But Well, and yeah. this kind of goes into the more general thing of like why I love that they did this for the second Spider-Man movie and didn't jump to, you know, first movie being an origin movie and the second movie is like, okay, he's Spider-Man now. Him yeah. having to relearn the lesson of great power and great responsibility in a human uh, line of action in the sense that if you became Spider-Man, you would probably lose your way a few times before you matured fully too, right? Yeah. And it's not just a jump into like, okay, I'm Spider-Man. I haven't, you know, it's it's you seeing him grow throughout these movies. Yeah, and, and it just like, shows like a human element where like, I know everyone in the entire world is like guilty of this, but if you, like, you, you, we get used to things like we're personally like we're lucky enough to be in like the u.s and have money like a good amount of money or whatever where we can afford phones and stuff and like we're just used to pulling out our phones and whatever and like how do you like how how do you think you would feel if you just didn't have your phone or something one day like we just get used to something and it to the point where it's just like it, better analogy like if you have a fan on you stop hearing it after a while but if you turn it off, you notice that it's off, you know, and you start getting hot or it's like spider. He was just used to being Spider-Man. It was this daily routine. And then when it's gone, he learned to appreciate it so much more, you know, because he didn't realize how insane it actually was and how much he actually enjoyed it. I mean, yeah, it has its like problems and whatever. But at the end of the day, he enjoys being Spider-Man. And that's kind of what he well, realized. And that leads directly yeah. into three, right? Yeah. Um, and does anyone else want to say something about Spider-Man 2? Or yes, something? last thing. Um, Go get him, Tiger. All right, thank you. That's all. Manny, what were you saying? What was I going to say? I forgot after this imbecile said... All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm just kidding. Go get him, Tiger. Go get him, Tiger. What was I going to say? Um... Let me guess. Oh, Nickelback uh, was in this movie. Yeah. No. The soundtrack is great. I will say that. Did you guys know that Nickelback nice. released one of their albums on 9-11? Yeah. <laughs> Why? That's actually pretty crazy if you think about it. Look I mean, it up. It's fucking real, dude. Uh, um, okay, so Manny, you don't know what you're going to say. Should I move Indicated. I am selfish. I am raw. You know that one? They played it in the credits. It's the fucking best song of the 2000s. Look at this photograph. <laughs> The sound okay. The score is by Danny Elfman, which is actually notable. Um, pretty fucking sick. Would just like mm -hmm. to say. Okay, so Spider-Man three, two thousand seven. We all know it's got it's got all sorts of stigma and kind of online and offline aura around it. But it happened basically on a logistical point of view. Sam Raimi was forced to include Venom in it. And originally he just wanted Sandman. And I, I think he still wanted New Goblin, Harry Osborn, to be a villain to some degree. But basically, Sony forced Sam Raimi to 
use Venom because Venom is cool and kids love Venom and we can sell Venom toys. <laughs> so that's that's what ended up happening. However, let's talk about the pros. What are some things you guys liked about this? It's still at heart. It, it still had the same, you know, it, I don't think they did the characters wrong. I just think they put too many into one and it kind of got muddled in terms yeah, of... it's the environment that was that got... But know. I still feel like the characters were themselves. I didn't feel like, oh shit, they, they really did a 180 on so-and-so, you know. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Very good. Uh, um, I think the movie is fucking hilarious. Um, I don't know. I still cannot tell whether I think it's funny because um, the writing is like so fucking out there that it's just like uh, this is comically like ridiculous. But like it's, I really enjoy it. Like I, I used to hate this film. But I have watched it probably more than any of the other ones in yes. recent memory because you it keeps you coming back because it's so funny and like it's almost like you like can't look away like some parts of it are really bad and some parts yeah, of it really bad some parts of it are like not enjoyable I would say like what? um Venom <laughs> as a character I. <laughs> I would uh, say it's pretty bad. Tingling, if you know what I mean. <laughs> what I will say is that the CGI in this movie is better than the newest Venom movie. <laughs> okay, if we're talking CGI, um, uh, the fucking Sandman ooh. being created scene, not even just CGI, that's beautiful. a beautiful scene. Yeah, It's yeah. fucking great. I love that scene so much. I really think Probably, they should, if they would have stuck with just him, it would have had the same kind of... I think it just got too muddled, and if they would have stuck with Sandman, you they would have had time to flesh out yeah, this, like, really this relationship with Spider-Man. Yeah. Well, it's I just... feel like they were kind of forced because they included Eddie Brock in like the yeah. first movie. I don't know if he was in the second one. I mean, they didn't. But... Include, it was more of like an Easter egg type thing to be like, "Oh, yeah. Eddie's working on that." I don't think it was like a you know. Yeah, yeah no. Fair. It was more um, Sony influence. And also, um, I mean, I I still think it's funny. Emo Spider-Man, that kind of overshadowed a lot yeah. of the movie, too. People like got turned off by that. They're like, oh, this guy's cringe. This guy's dancing. It, it was uh, supposed to be... <laughs> that was insane. I, I know that you, if, if you've been on YouTube video essays and you've been on Reddit, like you may have heard this, but it's it's intentionally supposed to be out wacky and funny and cringy because that is what Peter Parker would do if he was in that position. You know what I'm saying? It's not out of character for him to act stupid because he's never been cool before, right? He doesn't know how to be cool. <laughs> He doesn't yeah. know, like, and it's it's supposed to be hilarious, and it's hilarious. It's yeah. so funny. That's yeah. exactly why I've come around on this movie is because people, you know, like the second. I think the second movie was so fucking good, and like it was very, you know, it, it's funny, but like it was very em- like emotionally intensive and like very strong in a lot of ways, like very deep. Um, yeah, and people were this movie. That. People were expecting, like, something to follow up at the time and probably still the greatest superhero movie of all time. That's fucking hard to follow up. He went in a very different direction um, and was also forced into a very different direction because I do think if it was just Sandman as the villain, as, like, you you all know with the Sandman story, it is actually very sad and, like, very heartfelt. Um if he had gone in that way, it probably would have been closer to a Spider-Man 2. But he was forced in this other direction with the symbiote where he took like a very 
fucking weird approach with it and it's funny and it's okay to have fun in a movie yeah like it's just different i love and i I just i love so many different things and even when you're saying you know like people expected that same level of intensity in human drama it's like i really love the aspect of and octavia kind of touched on this before of like the the role of spider-man in the city of new york in this world right and his their reverence and iconicism for him it's just so great you know you see i love spidey signs everywhere around new york and obviously they have the rally for him and it feels very real and it feels very like you feel for it you know and i love that i love that clash between him being very full of himself now after after the the rut he was in in two to come to this level where he's too his ego's overinflated which you know, Sam Raimi did a good job of being, since he was forced to, you know, having to include that with the symbiote. But being that overzealous self of, like, you know, with Mary Jane, he's like, you know, you just got to get back on the horse. And it's, she's like, you know, like, fuck you. You know, you know you're, you're Spider-Man. This is a different situation. Like, I just, I think that the human drama still works. even if it's That's not so true. I didn't even think about that. I actually love the fucking connection between... No, the lack of connection, I guess, between Mary Jane and Peter in this movie. I think their scenes and their story in this film is actually so interesting. Um, and, like, very not run-of-the-mill. Like, it's telling its own thing. Um, I really like it. She dumped him for the emo hair, dude. <laughs> Personally, I, for me, that's, like, where Spider-Man 3 doesn't fall too high in my book, is, like... I just didn't really enjoy the whole love triangle and the fact that they took oh, yeah, this the turn. They made it. Yeah. It just it felt it felt like too much, and it, it felt like there wasn't very. Uh, it didn't feel feel direct to the characters' sort of development, in my opinion. Yeah. The tones were a little weird. I don't know. It just it was still fun to watch. It's obviously like you, you got to finish the trilogy off, but specifically like. I'm thinking of that one scene where, like I said, like, oh, get back on the horse. Like, I thought that was a good level to go in terms of their disconnect, right? But I know what you're saying, Manny. Like, because of the symbiote nonsense and having to be, like, him turning that far away from his normal self and then, you know, him hitting her in the club and stuff, that just felt very off, obviously, as much as I still think it obviously, like, works in text. But I know what you're saying. I, I agree with it's you. It's definitely that. different. They, they, you know, he was trying, whoever was trying to do something there, but... That's what didn't work for me. So. What I what I want to say about this is that three is the opposite of two regarding Peter's character development, where he lost himself and he didn't have a reason in two, but in three he has too much of a reason and he's too full of himself being Spider-Man and he wants to be Spider-Man all the time. He wears that fucking black suit all the time and just like it's the complete it's extreme, your like it's the opposite <laughs> extreme so of like, good you know yeah i think that my favorite my favorite scenes just listing or just on top of my head you know i love the parade i love the the spider-man celebration scene i it's just so great the colors the music like the the orchestral spider-man theme and him being there and marching like an idiot you know he's like standing there he's like yeah they love me you know i love that Obviously, all the Sandman stuff. The first Sandman fight on the road, wonderful. True. Um, in terms of black suit scenes, you know, obviously, during your eye, incredible. Glad <laughs> that Bunky Soul, incredible. You Bro, know, he, was, he, yeah. he was. Yeah, he was also just so violent towards like Sandman. Like literally, ki- like he was trying to kill Sandman. Like in the yeah. scene, you know. I, I think there's this over. Uh, there's this tendency to overly focus on obviously the the 
you know, the dancing scenes and the goofy black suit lines, or uh, not even when he's in the black suit, but I think I think that there are some really insane scenes where Peter has the symbiote that are completely accurate to what you'd expect, right? Yeah, yeah. Where good riddance. Yeah, I mean, where he's fighting Sandman and then, you know, all of the things that he says and does during that scene and the way that he fights and also the, the scene where he goes to Harry's apartment, you know, and just fucking like we talked about earlier, does exactly what the Green Goblin did to him in the first film. He does to his best friend and he shows like no remorse, no mercy, no forgiveness. He actually just displays wrath towards Harry, you know, like the the line where he's just degrading him and talking about how he was a yeah, like your father was father. Yeah. and uh, I don't know. I thought that was pretty insane. Um, also, just in direct relation to the to the thing I talked about earlier, where it's like that is something that Peter himself would probably you know that's something that would specifically bother him bringing that up because he's in a similar position to Harry, you know, losing this father figure. Um, I thought those scenes were really good. I I think uh, the scene where he smashes Eddie's camera is also a chump display of that, you know, where he's just like, obviously the one in the bugle too. You want forgiveness? Get religion. Yeah. And I don't know who was there, but the, the, the discussion we had after watching some video about how, you know, Spider-Man three is about forgiveness. Um, I don't know. Is I watching that alone? But I, I, think, <laughs> I was there. Yeah, I think that is that line is great. I think you know. I don't know. I think that the movie is really strong still because of that. It's directly related to the Sandman story. It's directly related to the Harry story. I would even argue that you don't even need to remove everyone but Sandman. But even if you just took out Venom and Eddie Brock and left more space for the other two storylines to breathe. Right, because I know that uh, there's a deleted scene in relation to this whole conflict between Peter and Harry too, right? That we don't get that makes that storyline feel like very shallow and rushed and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I I, so I don't know. I think that they do a really good job in that sense. You know, obviously to outline the general concept for people who have not watched the same video that I'm referencing here. Uh, the, the whole thing is about you know he has to forgive flint marco sandman for the death of his uncle he has to uh harry has to forgive peter for what happened to his father and peter has to forgive himself for what he does when he has the black suit and um i think that you know and there's this one is a theme that's more directly stated but i don't think it's done so to the point where you watch spider-man 3 and you're like oh that was a movie about forgiveness uh there are more explicit lines about it than some of the other themes but i think it's still done so subtly that it increases the the value and impact of it um i don't know and that that last scene i think with sandman just flying away and peter forgiving him and yeah the last scene harry deciding to go help him those scenes are really good oh dude when when harry comes back and they team up, Harry and Spider-Man, these two best friends, and the, the theme kicks in. It's really incredible. Um, yeah, Spider-Man 3. And I, I think if you think about it also in the sense that, like, we have a lot of serious black suit scenes that I think do a really good job. 
I think, like, imagine it, you know, if Peter didn't have the black suit, there would still probably be some equivalent silly, funny scene put in place of one of those black suit scenes. And I think there is kind of, like, this weird dissonance between those scenes and the serious black suit ones just in tone and stuff. But uh, I don't know. I think with everything else that the movie has, it's it's really not as bad. Um, I think I also agree with Manny, you know, about some of the relations shifts uh relationship stuff the love triangle thing i I felt could have been done better i think if it was just more focused on peter and mj and you know him i don't know like him going too far you know i don't think that part itself is horrible but how about that uh how about that proposal scene at the dinner with the ring and the champagne i fucking love that scene love that scene bruce campbell playing playing the uh the french yeah It's so good. I think that showcases, um, like disconnect. Yeah, the disconnect, like the just complete oblivious obliviousness. I think that's a word of uh of Peter with the with the black suit. Yeah, and I mean he was like that before he even got the the black suit, right? He was already oh, yeah, yeah. beginning to have like this inflated ego, and it's kind of what mm-hmm. sets him over the edge into this insanely exaggerated form of that where it's not just yeah. it's not now just Gwen mm. Stacy but it's just like random girls on the street I know that's probably I mean the opening thought in the that. opening scene of the movie is him narrating himself yeah, him watching him, him narrating himself and watching himself on a billboard in Times Square telling kids <laughs> who are walking away wait it's gonna start over come back like he's that like like you said, he's that much in his own head. Like, People really like me. <laughs> People really seem to like me. Like me. <laughs> yeah. Um, great stuff. You know, obviously, real quick, we didn't talk about more, probably one of the greatest castings of all time. J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson, obviously. Yeah. Well, every scene is perfection. Every scene is perfection. And the Spider-Man 3 scene is great, too. The comedy with the pills. That's just good comedy. With the <laughs> pills good. and the buzzer. And obviously, the... Daily Bugle, it's here, it's now, it's wow and how. Great stuff. <laughs> uh, class of 2019 slept on that meme when I made it at the... Okay. Um, <laughs> at the assembly that one time. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I think that we've all kind of said our, our things specifically with these movies. I think to, to, to kind of wrap it up, I know Ben's been waiting for this part. How do we feel about Spider-Man today? How do we feel about this movie to now, whether it be overall superhero movies or overall movies or Spider-Man movies or what do we think? Somebody. Best fucking movies ever made, dude. That <laughs> Period. Period. Dude, I, um, I, I can watch that shit forever. If they came out with the fourth one, I'm hmm. gonna be first one there, dude. I know what would you do if you watch Doctor Strange 2 and they go into a multiverse where he's back? Toby's back. I will... Walk I, in. I, think I would cry, dude. I will. I will yeah. walk in only to watch that scene and leave. I would come, <laughs> maybe shy, maybe pies. I don't know. Wait, what wait, about wait, you, man, Are you saying that you would? Are you saying that dude, you would discharge dude, in a movie theater? Dude, you would I, do that? I would. I would. In a movie, <laughs> I'd kumaiching, dude. I would exclusively <laughs> kumaiish. <laughs> <Holy laughs> maybe, 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 uh, maybe a little. You know. I forget where I was going with this Farthing. Show. Well, Farthing, Shithing, you know. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> anyway, um, so, listen. I know some people here 
have certain feelings everyone. about everyone. Has some feelings about modern, modern Spider-Man, and I do too. All right. Do I prefer? Sorry. Do I prefer the new movies? Not even close. Not at all. But I am able to recognize that they are different, and I am able to appreciate them despite their flaws. And let me speak. I would like to say that it's listen. No more time. Listen, no it's fuck <laughs> you, all right? Tom Holland didn't do anything wrong, all right? Maybe he's given shit and, shitty writing, sh- shitty plots, um, shitty, shitty character. Shitty... Fuck off, all right? The suits are great. I'm going to say that. The suits are great. And Whoa. it's just telling Bruh. a different story. Bruh. And this is... This is exactly what people hated about Spider-Man 3, and now people I just want to go back are, to the suits are great. No, listen, <laughs> people are coming around on Spider-Man 3, alright? We all have... I have never you know, was against Spider-Man 3. Alright, listen, but I'm saying a majority of people were, alright? A majority of people, people were, and, and I think people are coming around on it, because you can appreciate a movie despite its flaws. You can appreciate the story that is trying to tell, despite... How what you know whether it's far from home tell? What is the story? <laughs> it's telling the story of a teenager, all right? And it's telling oh, a god. And oh, and god. you might not name, like am I right? You might not like that, but like I'm just saying like that's it's the story not, they're trying I, to it's tell. Not that I don't like it's not I don't like teenage stories. It's not telling that story. I don't think it's telling any story worthwhile. I think it's a two long, hour long fucking I think Far From Home is pretty bad. I don't think it's great. I mean, like, I don't think that it's not do nearly I, as I good hate, as Homecoming. Okay, do I hate Homecoming? No, I don't hate Homecoming. Do okay, I? Okay, hate... you hate Civil War, you bitch. Yes, you fuck mind... Civil War. Fuck All right, Civil War. no, literally, it's so good. L- it's literally, it's not. It's top three fucking MCU movies. Oh, uh, ow, that hurt. <laughs> I think we need a cage um, match, dude. I didn't sign up for a cage match. <laughs> oh, did your did your husband buy you that outfit, Nabil? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I I can say that. Speaking I'm of outfits, okay. Speaking of outfits, can we go back to the suits are good? The suits are not good. They're okay? not even real. The suits, the suits not even are real. good. Okay, listen. You can't the, even touch them. You can't even the touch them with your hand. The design of them are you go, good. You okay. go to touch the, the, the Spider-Man suit on set, you're going to touch fucking Tom Holland's junk, bro. Because there's no suit. those mothballs the whole time. Yeah, and I'm down. All right. I've... Uh, <laughs> uh, sorry. Uh, listen. The suit designs are great. I Again, I think could they have been better executed? How about the part the where they're like, oh, he's going to make a new suit. He's going to be his own hero. And then he made the same suit, but instead of blue, it was black. Remember that? That was really cool. I love that. What do you mean, dude? Like, it's the it's it's a different suit, one. The design is completely it's different. It's the exact same. It's the exact no, same. it's not. It's the exact same. What are no, you fucking the, talking about? The logo was raised a few inches, actually, and it's not the no, same. Suit. The, right. the, what? The color blocking <laughs> is completely different. Color blocking? Who are you? fuck you no what the fuck okay listen he makes his own suit it's not about it it's just because it doesn't look completely different what was he supposed to do Uh, jamie Jamie ray can you check on this for me bro you can you look this one up i'm sorry what am i looking at i don't know 
right. uh, homecoming suit versus far from home suit. And while he does that, does anyone else have any thoughts about this? Get in here, Darian. Get in the ring. All right. Oh my God, it's black. Get in this. <laughs> I I don't want to turn into this endless cycle of nonsense that I know is going to occur because we're never going to agree on this. And exactly. I don't think we're going to change each other. Didn't this wise. happen for an hour? Like, oh, well, listen, I'm, right, gonna, on, I'm, I'm gonna give you my view on it, but I really, I don't want to say it's in a shitty way, but like. I don't want a response because I don't want to like debate. I I know your opinions well. I'm just going to present them for everyone else. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just wanted to hear other people's opinions. I, I understand. Oh, yeah, I, don't okay. wanna, I don't want to go deep into it because you guys have already said yours. And then if I yeah, say something or thing and you repeat the same, you know, like no, no uh, we're done. We're done. Because there's a couple other things I wanted to throw in at the end, unrelated to this. But I think that uh, everything we've highlighted that's especially impactful and impressive about the Raimi trilogy is not present in our current iteration of Spider-Man. That's true. Uh, I think that I don't enjoy watching superhero movies that are based in comedy. Uh, I think that's why Spider-Man was able, you know, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man was able to like bring superhero movies into this, you know, newfound limelight of sorts that they were not in prior. If we're looking at something like fucking Batman and Robin or Batman forever, I don't know. I don't take those movies seriously. Right. Uh, I don't know. I, I understand that Tom Holland, Spider-Man and it's, you know, the accompanying movies were more designed to be like laid back, funny, casual summer movies. But uh, even in that context, I still don't like them as much and I have less of an interest in watching them. I think as for the suit design, I'm just going to leave it at, I don't like the CGI suit being used constantly. The fact that a physical suit was never actually created for, for the red and blue suit for homecoming is pretty upsetting to me. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Um, that's, that's, I guess that's my thoughts on it. I just think that the, the emotional depth and development and exploration of characters that is missing in homecoming is what makes or not even in homecoming specifically but in like far from home or like this over reliance on just one-off jokes is what makes me not like the movie and it's also the problem i have with other mcu movies not even the jokes part but just this lack of exploration and character development or the process by which character development from previous movies is thrown out the window to push along some kind of greater storyline that is just going to be blown off in a couple more movies, you know, for, I, I don't know. Uh, I think that's pretty much how I feel about the whole situation. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, uh, we're running over time here, but also I, I just, I know we talked about this, I think Nabil, but something I thought that was really interesting. Um, well, I, I guess, does anyone else want to say anything about the situation first? Yeah, Octavia? before we wrap it up. I would say that, with that first trilogy, it wasn't limited by being having to follow up. For example, the Garfield movies had to like live up to this expectation of setting a new standard, and then the new the newest ones have to fit into this role of being part of a big machine known as the MCU. That's what I would say is with these first three, you got it at its purest. Yeah, and I also just want to say I don't even have a problem with Tom Holland or the MCU. That's not, like the, the core of the problem here. Ultimately, not who I place all of the blame on, but it, it, you have to place a lot of it on Sony. I know we touched on this, but understanding the fact that, you know, we know from conversations that are now publicly available between Sony executives that they fucked up the possibilities that The Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 had with 
great actors and director they felt that the 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 you know the what the franchise the character was not strong enough to exist on its own anymore and that if they were going to re uh investigate this character in another movie they felt that they needed the the character to be held up or supported by an mcu character someone strong such as iron man right and they actually pushed for an increased involvement of Iron Man's character in Homecoming, which you may like or you may not. I don't have a problem with it conceptually, but I thought that it could have been done better. And then finding that out after the fact makes me even more upset because they didn't want to tell the same story again. They didn't want to try doing it correctly from the beginning. They wanted to just, oh, let's, you know, just put all the weight on a different franchise's shoulders, so to speak, or a different character's shoulders. And, you know, that'll get people to watch and then we can figure it out from there because it's Spider-Man and it'll make money. <laughs> like, I think they tried to use Iron Man as Uncle Ben in yeah, the newer definitely. movies. I mean, yeah, they, they wanted to do the kind of same general thing, but with nuance. And I think that's fine. I just, I don't think it was executed as well as it could have been. And I also think the... The lack of an emotional exploration between key characters to Spider-Man that are... These things are going to be necessary once Iron Man is gone, and he is now, right? You know, these necessary emotional explorations between Peter and Aunt May, Peter and MJ, even Peter and Ned, that I think... I I think those things are going to hurt the movie significantly in the future. Um, I think they had some things down. The villain, you know, that was great. I don't know. I just think that there's a weak foundation that they're placing underneath Tom Holland's Spider-Man. And I mean, yeah. it almost happened. Spider-Man's out of the MCU. You can't reference Iron Man anymore. Where is the the motivations and drive for the character? What do you, you know, what are you going to do? You, you then have like, to yeah. craft a completely new dynamic between Peter and Aunt May and Ned and MJ. If you want to have any serious, you know what I mean? Aspect to Peter mm-hmm. Because right now, they're all cashed out for simple comedy or very shallow, like, romantic aspects that aren't explored well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, I mean, we've said that all before, so obviously I agree. And you're right, we should just run circles, especially since we're running out of time. But yeah, I agree. And I think that, like you said, in trying to be different and distinguish themselves, like Manny said, they had some to follow up. They tried to be different, like, okay, we don't want you to see the same thing over and over. But... You're trying to be different to kind of screw them, unfortunately. But yeah, I agree. I just want um, to say, I not not arguing. I, I literally agree with everything you said. All I'm trying to say was that I I think that you can appreciate some things about the movies and recognize their flaws. But I literally agree with everything you said about them. It's all true. I mean, yeah, I still enjoyed watching Homecoming. I like. I yeah. I just. It's harder for me to be excited about Spider-Man now. You know what I mean? I get that. I get that, dude. Um, and I also just think Far From Home was very far from Fresh. what I wanted. Of, of a movie. <laughs> of a movie, really. But it was Not even definitely... comparing it to Raimi at all. I just think yeah, it was way worse yeah. than the first one. Way worse than Oh, Raimi. yeah. It went significantly downhill. Yeah. I think that it's probably like my bottom three fucking MCU movies with... Uh, and why are we arguing? Because I'm telling okay, you, there's nothing great. to argue about. Whoopsie. Anyway, uh, worst three um, MCU movies, uh, Age of Ultron. Captain Marvel, uh, Civil War. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. What? And, oh, that is a bad one. Oh, that is yeah, a bad one. 
That one sucked. I, I think Captain movie. Marvel is worse. I haven't even I haven't seen, seen it. it. I haven't totally. seen it. I guarantee you it's Cap- worse. No, Captain Marvel must be like one of the worst movies I've ever seen. <laughs> Literally. And I'm not even so- here's the thing about talking about Captain Marvel's like, oh, because it's a woman? You don't you don't like cause it's a oh because it's a woman. and it's like no. It just it's has no terrible soul. Movie. It has no soul it is, to it. Dude, it is I the have, worst writing I've ever seen. Like a fan I, I have three hundred percent I have three hundred percent less of a reason to care about Black Widow, given the state of the character not existing in the MCU anymore <laughs> and not actually being that big of a fan of her character. But like <laughs> I still would bet money that the movie is by far better than Captain Marvel. And I haven't I haven't seen yeah, either of people them. Are like- but everything I've seen from Captain Marvel and everything I've heard is it, it's just it's it just I don't want to watch it. I've seen enough clips at this point. It's Dude, I don't know. <laughs> ben Casey, you might have seen this. There was a tweet going around, kind of viral, where it was like, "If you don't like these movies, you base you hate women, right?" Or some you know phrase like like how Twitter people talk. And it was like Captain Marvel, Black Widow, and Wonder Woman. And I'm like, what? I'm inclined to like those movies, dude. I like Scarlett Johansson and Gal Gadot and Brie Larson, bro. Give me more, you know. But like. Like, why do you think I'm gonna hate them? Because okay, no. yeah, no, well, man, it's this just the podcast. Well, it has nothing to do with the a female lead. It has nothing to do with the actresses. It's it's the way the fucking movies are put together by the, like. What I'm trying to say is that like when people are searching for representation in movies, they're going to try and defend you know the, and cling on to the little representation that they have. So, like, even if it's a bad movie, I can... It's not okay to be, like, if you don't like this movie, you're a sexist. But, like, I can understand, like, how people can get defensive about it, if that makes sense. Do you get what I'm saying? And I, I don't uh, I don't know if this is too far, or, you know, maybe I'm not the most educated considering I have no idea. But maybe we should be questioning, like, why it seemingly is that... A movie like Captain Marvel that's supposed to be providing representation to a female lead is just one of the least um, well thought out or executed movies. You know what I'm saying? I'm looking for the entire movie revolves around women are strong. They can do this. Yeah, that's that's her whole that's her whole thing. Like yeah, yeah. just like like the new Charlie's Angels kind of shit too. Well, uh, well, like the new or the new Ghostbusters, you know, like the whole movie is that that they can't seem to write a female character outside of that, you know. Yeah, and that's a problem because all the writers are probably men. I'm sure. Exactly, they are. And and another thing is, I'm saying also, it seems like there's less effort. And poorer execution in these movies, just, like, not even anything to do with the themes, but, I mean, from the way the plot was described, you know, it seems just very convoluted and confusing, and, like, they didn't put as much heart and soul into explaining the character well, right? That has nothing to do with the gender of the character. It's just, like, the the entire storytelling seemed just poorer than it would be otherwise, you know, like... Look, Ben, I'm looking for representation. You don't see me defending uh, fucking uh, uh, Zero Dark Thirty or... Uh... Oh my god. <laughs> Black Hawk Down. All right, no, listen. Um, so, no, I guess what I'm trying to say I is... I thought it was I a think, good joke. I th- okay, you're joking, but I, I will explain further on what I was trying to say. 
Um, I think that another good example is Black Panther. There are some undeniably Uh-oh. awful <laughs> moments in that movie. Like the fucking CGI fight at the end is ridiculously right. bad. Just but be careful what you again, say, that's all. No, I'm just saying it's a... I'm not going to say anything controversial. It's just that people oh, cling to... Re- what? People <laughs> cling to representation in movies like that because it is a revolutionary film for other reasons. So they're going to mm-hmm. you know, want to support that and want to defend it because a lot of things about it are very progressive and revolutionary. Does that mean it's a perfect film? No. But people, you know, want more stuff like that to happen and be created like that again. So they're going to um, try and, you know, defend that. That's all I'm saying. Well, that's the thing where, where the problem comes from, where the entire movie is just written around that and they can't just make a normal movie of, like, a woman doing... Black, Black Panther is not. I haven't seen Captain Marvel, but Black Panther is not a... It's not like that. It's a movie that celebrates yeah. black. I have problems. Yeah, no, I've had, pro- I've had no, yeah, my definitely. own problems with Black Panther, but no, that's not a flaw. Yeah. The problems with Black Panther are recognizable in most MCU movies. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They, they shouldn't even be discussed in this conversation yeah. because, you know, like they could be brought up about literally any single one of them, barring maybe like Avengers 1 and Iron Man. Like, you know, yeah. Um,. Yeah. I don't know. I just think that, it, from what I know, I'll probably get around to watching it. But I think Captain Marvel just has like outwardly the worst structure and storytelling yeah, outside no, of the character. Just generally the plot. Like, yes. No. It literally doesn't work as a movie, as a feature film. It. I. I've, I've said this. I'm, I don't think I've said this on the podcast yet, but I know I've said it to so many of you so many times. But I. I repeat it because it's so shocking to me. When I saw this movie in theaters opening weekend, um, people were audibly confused at what was going on. That's how bad the writing was. I keep saying it because it's, it's astonishing. I've never seen anything like it in my life where people have been, you know, 30 minutes into a movie saying, wait, what's going on? What happened? And it's not a thing of like, you know, there are movies that have twists or movies that have surprises that are meant to throw the audience into a, into a rut, you know, of like, oh, what's going on? It's literally what is going on. I don't understand the the way this is working. Yeah, and what that says to me, uh, this poor structuring, is that it, it it's it doesn't mean that they have a shitty director, or a shitty writer, or shitty actors, because all of these people obviously have the the credit. Larson is a great actress. Yeah, they have the credit they need to get these jobs. They clearly just didn't care enough about the project to craft something that was up to par with what they were you know, hired for, which is the MCU, which should at least be, I don't know, you know, like, should at least be decent, like, <laughs> I guess that's the best way to say it. Well, yeah, because it's like, what's it called? Like, with the writing and stuff, they try and make the big feature of the fucking movie, hey, look, women, hell yeah, look at me, I'm yeah, no, it does, feminist. Like, just write the movie and just have the lead be a female and do crazy, sh- awesome shit. Yeah, okay, you I won't have to let us know that women are strong. Just fucking show us, don't tell us and make it, like, that painfully cringe obvious. Like, I, Literally, that's, like, know? the power, yeah. Yeah. I haven't actually seen this movie either. But has anyone seen Birds of Prey? 
Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I know nothing about the movie. I've seen clips from it. Does the movie shove that down your throat as much as Captain Marvel? Not as much as Captain Marvel, but that's a pretty low bar. from the clips I've seen, it just seems like Harley no, Quinn does badass shit, and that's, you know, like, I don't think the movie's good. I, don't, <laughs> I haven't seen any other... I, I know many... many ones, I want to hear Manny's take on it, but I didn't think that it was necessarily... No, not necessarily. A bad movie. It's just, like, it's just mediocre. And it's, it's just, just, you know... It feels like such like a filler. TV special. It really feels like, feels like a TV filler. Special. Yeah, like they. Tr- I think the point was like to make Harley Quinn like, oh, we're gonna make her the, the You know how the Harley Quinn characters are very much. Oh, she's 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 going against the current. She's she says what she wants. She's crazy. She's wacky. Well, and in they the try movies, to, at least. Yeah, in the movies, and they try not to, how she is at all in the animated so, or the comics. So they try to like amplify that and. But they don't really. I don't feel like she didn't feel that fleshed out to me. They try to give her more motivation. Yeah, no, I did. I wish it's something where it's like, oh man, I wish that was something a lot more. Yeah. For what it was going for. The stakes kind of suck. Like, oh, I guess I'm okay with what I. I'm okay with watching it. You know. And again, yeah. who does that fall on? It falls on the guy that's writing it. Yeah. Because the thing is, I I don't keep up with dc movies i haven't seen any of them so it's not something like i didn't care about harley quinn as a character or birds of prey but i've watched clips from a lot of them and i I don't know like i have enjoyed the clips i've seen from birds of prey and it kind of made me want to watch the movie and it made me want to like the character but then it's disappointing to hear things like that where it's like they just didn't they didn't go where they needed to go with it with that said i still wouldn't dissuade someone from watching it i would recommend it and i, I mean it's not like a movie be like oh you have to see birds of prey but if someone was like i'm gonna see birds of prey i'm like oh yeah you check. like you know what i'm saying like it does have a few like uh, things that are i want to say redeeming because it's not like it's bad and it has redeeming qualities but i don't know it's just it's just there it's a movie that's just there you know those kind of movies like i don't know it exists. So if that's it like exists. your thing, if you really want to see the character more. If you really want to see it and you like the scenes and you thought that it was quirky and funny, then sure, go ahead, go for it. Because it's not it's not like it's unfunny or unquirky. So Oh, it definitely felt like it was trying to be Deadpool. I think that's another another segment oh, yeah, of that's that. That's true. If you're like into that kind of meta, you know a lot of cursing and I think, blood. Yeah, and stuff, I think the so. general public who saw Deadpool, not people who are into comics or MCUs or like you know, the into it. General public who like Deadpool would like Birds, which is it is what it is. Uh, so I wanted to bring up the something that people may or may not know that I wanted to talk about was the um, James Cameron version of this movie that kind of mm-hmm. exists, not actually a movie, but I guess the script and what we know was planned for it. Um, and I think also just is kind of key to understanding like the movies role i guess that we discussed at the beginning right because that's a pretty big thing at the time having james cameron do a superhero movie even though he didn't end up doing it you know um and the the fact that the raimi version that we got took cues from james cameron's ideas i don't know i just wanted to discuss that um i guess also i don't know if everyone here knows but just, just some rundowns um that stuck out to me or like the the idea for the natural web shooters was his idea it's something he originally had right um the the scene with mj where they kiss was actually going to be like on the bridge and spider-man was gonna like web her up into a cocoon and like oh, was implied that they were gonna have sex i think what the <laughs> fuck? yeah it was definitely a James lot Cameron. more it was supposed very to be a lot more um very avatar like, yeah and 
also, I mean, this is something that's still in the movie. It's still key to the Spider-Man character and story understanding the original is like, uh, but I think James Cameron is going to give more of an emphasis to this. And that scene is a part of this is the focus on like this, these parallels to like puberty, right? Like the big change line is an example of that, but this is something that's like existed in the Spider-Man comics, right? At their conception is like, this growing up thing and i think that's also part of why spider-man's so relatable and then even when you're an adult spider-man's relatable for the other reasons you know like he's a young guy struggling to get by and stuff but um yeah i don't know i thought it was pretty interesting also was the villain who is the villain gonna be electro but he wasn't gonna be called electro i don't know that stuff is less relevant but correct me if i'm wrong but i think michael jackson was showing yeah interest yeah i was just gonna say that so, that's a classic <laughs> So basically what happened is when Manny was... Okay, thank you, Octavia. Uh, Manny was talking about earlier in the podcast about Michael uh, Michael Marvel being in kind of financial straits and that's why they sold all their movie rights and that's why so many studios have different Marvel character rights. Um, at that time, Michael Jackson was very interested, very, very interested <laughs> in buying Marvel so that he could direct and play Spider-Man. Oh, I actually people... did hear about that. I thought you were saying he was going to play Electro. I was like, <laughs> that is just the weirdest fucking choice. No, he Michael wanted to Jackson play Spider-Man really Fox. bad. See, I would love to see that. I would. <laughs> yeah, apparently he went to Stanley first, and he's like, I'm not going to do a Michael Jackson impression, actually. I take that back. But he was like, yeah, I, w- I want to... I want to be Spider-Man. He's Stanley's like, no, actually, you have to. You would have to own Marvel or talk, or be the director of this movie. Cast <laughs> He's like, well, maybe I'll buy it. And then he tried to buy it. Um, he also, after that, after that era of the '90s, when X-Men was being cast, he wanted to be Professor X. So, fun fact. Like he, I think he pretty it says here that he came in, implying that he auditioned, I guess, or tried to do his own audition. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> but yeah, James Cameron, that would have been a really interesting take. I think he also wanted Leonardo to be Spider-Man, he said. That's what I definitely heard about a lot. Would have been very... De- I mean, I assume it would still be good, but definitely... I mean, he's a good with, actor, but yeah. Yeah, and I mean, James Cameron's a good director. It's just you'll, we'll never know, because it would be entirely different in every way. But it's cool to think about. Did anyone else have any parting thoughts as we approach 212 in this podcast? <sighs> See ya, chum. Just cut it there. Just fucking cut it there. Alright, that's nope. it. No, it's all, this is all in. So. Alright, alright. Why? Yourself. Turns out this isn't your podcast, Fun Casey. <laughs> Turns Fuck. out I'm the one who has to freaking edit this. Can right. you put a button on me, please? I don't want to get in trouble with me, Mom. Should I, can I say again? Am I allowed to say on the it's, podcast? It's, you're being bleeped right now. So. Oh, are say, you trying? Dude, talking about these movies just makes me want to, like, get together with all you guys. Just, like, watch it on a giant TV. Just, and just like, just fucking watch these movies together. Just get hit, just hit, dude. Dude, I just want to get together with all you guys and... Hey, you know how Daddy05 makes his kid do the outro? Manny, do the outro. <laughs> You just what do you want me to say? In the fucking do the outro. Please like and subscribe. Um, follow at at Nabil Sharif. Follow at PV Night Club. Podcast. Follow at PV Class 2019 Almighty. Oh no. <laughs> follow at Random Uga Booga. Follow at. Right. Uh, <laughs> okay. So 
I'm gonna go ahead and do the outro myself, I guess. Uh, thank you. She. Everybody. We finally did it. We finally did the Remy episode. It only took five months, and I really think that this is the, the second coming of Filmatic. And I was thinking of maybe <laughs> even doing another second episode coming. by the end of the week. Second coming. <laughs> pushing this out on at least a weekly if not bi-weekly basis holy uh, and um we'd love to hear what you want to see see in here next so make sure you follow at filmatic podcast also if you guys uh, want you can just come on the show uh, <laughs> <laughs> i mean i guess if i guess if someone really wanted to be a part of the podcast that would be open just reach out to I, we need to get, uh, I want to get some more guest appearances yes Whatever. Yeah, we have some guest appearances. We're also, wide open for people to come on the show. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to Kevin? Did he get his um prize? Did you make that announcement yet? Oh, everybody drum roll because Kevin Zhu actually won the Bad Boys giveaway. Really? So, yeah, he was the only person who listened to the full episode and commented the other time. Oh. So, <laughs> It was it was it was the one with me and Manny though. It oh, I hope real I, I hope Kevin's doing well. He's he's a pretty good fucking guy. Yeah. Just so, remember that rumor that started like, no, like a no, year no. ago. Or something? Please don't. <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about. And I don't want you to talk. So just there's a out. rumor that got fucking. <laughs> I don't. That's funny. just. Fucked up. I should know about that one. That's not real. Yeah. Either. I know it's not. It's just not real. I think like Tencent told me or something. Like, is that even a rumor? Is that just Tencent manipulating reality? <laughs> no, I don't fucking know. Dude. I don't know. A similar thing happened with Nissan. So I don't know. Okay, but that was real more. though. Wait, was that real? No, I saw. No, I, I lied about that. That was just a joke. I just said he got polio and died. <laughs> a that was joke. a joke. Sorry about that, Kevin. Kevin won the Bad Boys giveaway, and I'll be reaching out to you, Kevin. You're gonna get your Bad Boys Blu-ray. Listen, we'll all right. I, I I miss Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You think he plays he video games? Le- he, he, le- he left us too soon. <laughs> 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 oh, it was his time. He had to go, but <laughs> this time had came. Yeah, Kevin, come on. Okay. I so, I'm kind of yeah, disappointed to hear that Sofia Martinez didn't get to the end of the last podcast. All right, I I really thought that. Didn't you convince her Big Sean died? I think she has. Didn't convince she, her she Kevin died. You could probably do that too, dude. Actually, it went further than that. Not only did she think that Big Sean died because of me, I hope more people listen. Wait, hey, hey, guys, look at the cover art. We have a new logo. We have a new logo. Wait, wait, hold what? up. Did Big Sean not fucking die? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. We have a new logo. You guys haven't seen it yet, but I'll, I'll send it in chat after. It's pretty much finished. It'll be there for the episode. Who made it? Designed... By uh, by Zephy. So, like I said, we have a new we have a new logo. We're gonna be giving you new episodes. I'm thinking of doing one hopefully by the end of the week, uh, following the Rami episode. It's gonna be great. I want to thank everybody for coming. 
Hell but I'm yeah. now going to open it up to Darian, who's going to do some plugs. Well, I was hoping we'd open it up to everybody. <laughs> well, everybody, I guess. But Darian, I know you specifically wanted to do a plug. All right, so listen. If anybody, you want to see yeah. some funny things related to the the Sam Raimi Spider Man or um or, or funny things in general, go look at Nabil and I on Twitter. I don't even what what my name is just Darian Nigro. You should be able to find it. Nabil's I think is also probably pretty specific, but it's at Nabil Sharif underscore. There's no way I could begin to explain the comedic genius that Nabil was able to convey through my Twitter replies. We worked on it together. It's a masterpiece. Um, separate, I know how to deal with the haters. Um, what? Black Lives Matter. If you want to come to the school board meeting, you should do that. <laughs> or you should watch Next it. Tuesday. I think. Uh, fight the, the good fight against the, the school board. At the parents. Um, I don't want to say any more. Sean Murray, if you're listening, f*** you. <laughs> Not, not no, 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 no. Not I already oh, sorry, about it. He, he already knows about it. Sorry, I didn't mean. I just there's a someone who's calling themselves Sean Murray, but obviously isn't. So I sorry, I didn't mean that, Mr. Murray. <laughs> <laughs> oh I look. You have a little rivalry with him because he likes um. Nope, he likes don't talk about that. No, he likes Brazil and I like uh, Argentina and soccer, and they're like oh, rivals. That was, like, that was surprisingly family. tame. Yeah, definitely. I, mean, I talked to him about it, and we got into a little like yelling fight in like tenth grade outside of his portable because <laughs> it was the World Cup, and they had just gone beat and shit. It was funny. Yeah. Anyone else have any plugs? Anyone want to yes, plug something? Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. The Donald It's where we're all going to now after they banned the Donald on Reddit. So please just follow that, and also. No, please cut that out. That's a horrible joke. Please cut that. Out. <laughs> I thought it was so know. funny. That's <laughs> fitting perfectly with a twenty-dollar bill joke here. So we're good. Oh no, dude! I'm done. I'm done. Please take that out. I'm done. I'm the screwed. Power of the Donald. Of my, <laughs> my career is over. Listen, guys. All lives matter. It's racist. Also, uh, Frankie Abrazino, Keep up with him. Donate. Oh, dude. Ooh, okay. Can I do a plug, like a serious one? Yeah, sure. Also, if you guys have any uh, like connections, we would like to get sponsored by Monster Energy. That'd be fucking insane. Uh, so just let us know. Just shoot us a little DM. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for your response, uh, Monster. I don't know if you have a parent. Oh, no. Nabil, I got a good thing. Fucking awesome. What's that? Drink that shit every day. You have to tell them, whatever your prize is in the future, tell them Cactus Jack sent you. That's a good one. Comment. All right, so not on, oh, not yeah, on yeah, this yeah, post, yeah, but on the yeah. next episode, we're going to come up with a really good giveaway, and that prompt will be that. So, yeah, that's a good idea, man. Yeah, um, someone might comment that as a meme because that's what we started off as. That yeah, is true. But, wow. Full uh, circle. That works. At least someone's commenting. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking <laughs> At least someone's listening besides us, right? Um, also, Kevin can't win again, just so you know, Kevin. Yeah, Kevin, you've, you've been voided for the next five giveaways, so. <laughs> five? <laughs> That's five episodes. That's a long time, dude. He already got his Bad Boys DVD. What else am I going to give him? That's you know? fucking fair, dude. Running out of things to give away. Someone else has got to put some shit up. Um, yeah, he's, he's already got to Make a Wish, too. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, maybe Kratom. That would be good. Oh, dude. Um, plug that, Manatee. That, Do a Manatee, like 15% oh, off, Manatee, if you mentioned. Guys, go to Manatee. Go to Kava Social. Actually, screw Kava Social. They don't wear masks. Don't go to Kava Social. 15% uh, off your first Kratom if you mention the podcast. Okay, yeah. If you go to Manatee and you say, <laughs> Filmatic Podcast sent you, apparently they give you like a free growler, I guess it's called. Uh, so, yeah. Next giveaway, I'm giving whoever wins it a d-
Okay, now I have to cut that. So <laughs> what, bro? Ooh, um, Ben, Ben Casey. For some reason, his audio's gone. I can't hear him. Me so neither. I'm just gonna speak on his behalf. Uh, he wanted to say, "Hey guys, Ben Casey or... here. I wanted to plug New College Theater and um, <laughs> and simping. And... Actually, I am Ben oh, Casey, and I would like to plug New College and Theater. Okay." So actually, that, I'm Ben Casey, and I wanted to c- plug. I'm actually Ben Casey, and I'd like to come. This outro has been almost like 20 minutes, I think. I think so. This is the case you want like. Remember, remember when Sophia told us we have to be funny. I'm trying to finish. Um, this isn't even funny. It's, it's kind of it's kind of for more Kirsten Dunst. Uh, no media photos. <laughs> so we thank you. As we leave, you're going to be listening to the soothing sounds of James Kim's EP. And... No, that's not his name. Oh, sorry. Jimmy Kimmy's EP. Uh, I've been given clearance to play that on podcast. So I hope you like it. Check it out on YouTube. Jimmy Kimmy, the EP. You guys think James is actually listening right now? or? I have no idea. I guess we'll find out after. You should unmute him and see what happens. I just unmuted James. Does oh. he want to say bye? Bye. <laughs> oh, James. Tell them where to find your, where to find your music. Yeah. Um, it's just on YouTube, and I and I made a band camp too. Also, Jimmy Kimmy. How do you spell it? J I M M Y K I M M Y. Yeah, that'll be in the description. It'll be on the social medias. And so, if you, you enter for... code into Bandcamp, Somatic <laughs> Podcast into Bandcamp. What? You, you... <laughs> you, you get the album for free. You get the album free. <laughs> if you enter code Philmatic, you get thirty percent off your next G Fuel. <laughs> oh um, James, thank you for letting us use this music. We really yeah, appreciate sure. it. I appreciate you using. What did you think of the episode, James? Oh, sorry, I was like half listening. I was doing my homework for most of it. All right. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, say bye. 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 Come on. Bye. I'm gonna put yeah, guys. Let's hop on Fortnite.